You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Weird Science Marvel Comics podcast, the spotlight episode where we have a bunch of books again this week. This is episode 12, and that is legacy numbering. 512. I'm here with my man, Matt, to start things off. What up, Matt? What up, Jim? What up? And we have three books for me and you to start off with. And it's weird. We're recording this very early. We might uh-huh. start doing that, you know, going forward. But I have these weird plays where if I'm not recording on the day that I'm used to recording, I'm thrown off. So we'll hopefully we'll get <laughs> through this. We're talking about some books that we've talked a bunch about. Uh, we're going to have Spider-Man. We have the Hulk. And then out of nowhere, Battle World, which is kind of a funny play that I can tie into telling everybody if you like what you hear. When we're going through all these books each week, you can end up helping us out and go over to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. It'll be in the show notes. And the reason I bring that up is because me and Matt have a crisis slash event podcast, and we actually did a Secret Wars, the whole deal. We actually flip flop between that and yeah, the Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, so we ended up taking almost a whole year when we were doing that, or not a whole year, but, you know, 24 weeks at least, half a year. Yeah. Just think we did it like once a month or something, but we ended up doing all that. And right now we're doing the 2015 Secret Wars, which kind of is not completely connected, but kind of in a way. But I, I, I kept forgetting this Battle World book was going to be coming out. And then it came out and like, all right, well, mm-hmm. here we go. Also, later on, I'll be joined by my man, Zach, and also Jason to go through some of these as well as probably finishing up with my man, Gray. But we're going to start off me and you. Doing the classic. We end up getting the amazing Spider-Man a bunch of times each month. We're back again, and people can't wait for Rec Rap. You're going to get him again. But <laughs> it looks like this might be the last of Rec Rap. It's amazing Spider-Man number 38. I say the last of them, and I just mean for now, because as long as Zeb Wells is writing Spider-Man, yeah, there's, there's always going to be that fear. First off, the fear of Zeb Wells continuing writing Spider-Man, but also the fear <laughs> of Rec Rap. Coming back at Eddie. I think if you, if you ever see Ed McGinnis on art, that pretty much means he's coming back. Like yeah. ahead of time, you hear yeah. Ed McGinnis is like, I'm going to be dog wreck around. <laughs> We're going to go through this, obviously. But when we do, at the end, we might end up having to decide who's worse, wreck rap or repo. Because at least wreck rap has a little bit of personality or charisma. Repo is a dud. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm saying villains don't have to be likable. Uh, he's a dud and actually gets taken down in a way that kind of ridiculous but this is written by zeb wells pencils by ed mcginnis you have mark farmer wave van grau badger and ed mcginnis on inks colors by marcel menez and the letter of vcs joe caramagna you do end up having eric garcianega on the gang war chapter colors you have emilio laiso on the gang war chapter artist there's a bunch of people involved in this obviously the big play is to get to gang war it's coming just mm-hmm. like Santa Claus. And <laughs> they even say in this, this is the last issue. It's like, this is it. Gag Wars coming next. Hey, everybody, we got to kind of tie up this rec rap stuff, which they do. I, I don't know that you could end up, you know, getting it in a satisfactory way to end it because most people don't like it. So they just want it to end. So actually, by the end, I was actually kind of, all right, I'm a little positive because it's done. Yeah, And you do set up a thing at the end for Gang War that might be intriguing, at least in the issue itself. Rec Rap tells us that the Gang War stuff is a little more serious 
I'm going to take him on his word here because I hope it is, and it does seem like it may be. Slightly, slightly more. <laughs> you still get Silvermane, and yeah. you still obviously... Poor Silverman, that guy can't catch a break. The guy is gone, then he comes back, he's got his mechanical body again, gets ripped apart. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. But the big play here is who is Repo? If you listen to us each week and listen to the last time we talked about Amazing Spider-Man, we, we're dummies and we knew that it was the guy who was hanging on the stoop trying to get the money back or whatever. I mean, I don't even know what was money now because you never really do find out that much about him no. and what he was doing at that point because even then it felt a little more than just i need two hundred thousand dollars oh my god your hospital bills it did seem like it was setting up something a little more supernatural a little more something weird by the end of this it just looks like it's done now we might get rick rap again i don't know they're gonna get repo again probably not Peter's trying to figure out what's going on. You get a little bit of an intro. Hey, everybody, I ended up getting swallowed by this guy, and now he's spitting me out in limbo. Down in limbo, you end up, remember, this is supposedly going to be the limbo of limbo, which, <laughs> again, makes me shake my head. Rec Rap's down telling Rec Rap Storytime Adventures, and it was annoying last issue, at least here where Zeb Wells is playing this, he wants to kind of, Play that little meta thing of it is annoying and it's annoying the insidious six including mm-hmm. Octopus and them they're falling asleep they're getting annoyed because in the way which didn't click with me right away Rec Rap explains to Peter that while you're down in this limbo of limbo time moves slower than it does up on the regular you know planet planet earth the regular real time deal and that only is something that allows you to try to have tension, but not, and also have Rec Rep and Peter can have some adventures in limbo that mean nothing and I really don't care about. But while that's happening, Repo, he's getting out razor blades and meat cleavers and he's he's overstepped the idea <laughs> of what I thought Repo was. And he's kind of remembering his regular life only because, again, I think that that has to tie him. Why would he be concerned with Peter? He was told not to veer off, just go get Rec Rep and, and City of Six. All that because in the background, Madeline Pryor thinks that this is going to ruin their deal with the embassy. I mean, all these things, if you could line up things that I don't really care about, like the limbo embassy, this repo, like they're all there. Like they're all there. I'm like, I really don't care. But it it allows you to have some fun, like Rec Rap and Peter going around eating flies. One of the things is Peter... And Rec Rap, oh my god, we're fighting these things that are biting us. And in the meantime, Rec Rap, like, oh my god, it's a tickle fight. No, they're trying to yeah, eat us, Rec eating Rap. eating our face, dude. Oh yeah. boy. <laughs> and so the other thing, we thought the complete deal, Peter last issue was a complete dick. He ended up where Rec Rap said, I've been following this repo guy, and he seems to be not on the up and up. He kind of is, but he isn't. Uh, again, yeah. nothing really matter. I mean, I should just keep hitting. the. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But Peter felt bad, and he should have, because he really did ditch Rec Rap, who just wants to hang out with Peter. He just wants to have fun, all that stuff. So when you go, he's having these little adventures. But in the meantime, Randy's going to get sliced and diced. But because the time moves different, you can do all this nonsense to then have, right as Repo is going to kill Randy, you end up having Peter and Rec Rack get spit out. They're in, I guess, you know, in that attic. And you have 
the deal where Peter goes to save Randy, then recognizes and says, oh, my God. And I think this is supposed to be this wow moment of a twist. Oh, my God. Repos, that guy that was hanging out on the stoop that whole time. I think every everybody had to have known it. I mean, I say that yeah. we talk, people may not have whatever. Yeah, but, but look, again, looking at the mask, like there's not one, but other than the hat, he wears a stupid hat. In this particular instance, he's not wearing the hat and he doesn't look, has not one feature that looks like the other guy. It just not seemed one. like because he just kept collecting things like, oh, it must be that. Maybe it's his personality, I guess. Yeah, mm. yeah. So he's like, oh, my God, that's the guy that the collections agent. He was trying to get things after I was in the hospital with the UFOs. Something that was a huge linchpin of this series that never amounted to anything. I forgot about that. <laughs> what you're doing here is showing that something that was so big, the idea of where's the repercussions of him blowing up York, Pennsylvania? I mean, I'm still waiting for that big ticker tape parade where they congratulate him from wiping off what is what is a cesspool off the face of the <laughs> earth. You could see the, the, the pillow of smoke from your house, the cloud of smoke from your house, couldn't you? I'm back looking then? there. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> It's it's like the the nuclear explosion mixed with uh, meth labs all going up at once. <laughs> That's all it is. Like, oh man, maybe they can get Reddick next, right? It'll just go down yeah. the line. Please go to Chester, do all of it. So you end up all this going down. Like this was the big thing of the series that now you see as a joke and didn't mean anything. The collections deal. What's up with Aunt May? Remember at points Aunt May didn't like Peter, mm-hmm. and then Peter hated was him. doing this. Everybody hated Peter. Every just kind of got all wiped away it's one of those things where it it drives me nuts it's because of the time between they just kind of like yeah nobody remembers that or nobody cares you can't do that with a with a character like spider-man yeah it has to be tight continuity things need to connect together and things just end up where in this point this is not it's not a satisfying way to tie in and then tie up the idea of this collection agent, because we still don't know exactly because then Peter's like, oh, what do you want me to write you a check? Oh, no, no, I don't collect money. But yeah, maybe not now because you're part of but you Madeline Pryor's limbo something. deal. But yeah, what were you doing before? And that's where it gets all deal. And in that we a lot of people were actually the one good thing that happened in Dark Web was this jerk off ended up getting killed. But you <laughs> see that even then where he's like, I kind of remember, I don't think I have a soul now I'm doing this, but. It's not. It, it's no longer intriguing because it's being wrapped up, and it just ends up where it's kind of annoying. Again, it's like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, somebody from York, PA, is going to be like, "Oh man, you know, we gave you the band live, and now you did that to us." That's all I can go for York. That's like the <laughs> biggest thing. Uh, I know. So, yeah. So live. you have this craziness, right? And mm-hmm. What do you do then? I mean, and are you a big fan of uh, live? I, I, I do. Don't I mind like them. live. Yeah. Really odd name that you think is kind of neat. It's impossible to look them up on the internet. Yeah, that's the problem. You realize once the internet really hits big and all that, it's it's nearly impossible to find live. Go find a live concert of live. Then you're really having some problems. Their first two albums are gems, I say. Yeah. yeah. Gems. Was it Throwing Copper? Was that their, yeah. their one? That was their that's, second album. That that album might be one of the it's best great. albums of you know the 90s in my oh, mind. Oh, yeah. I was that so good. It was a weird play because it was kind of like a, a an REM meets like a little bit of like not grunge, but <laughs> we could go into a whole discussion of life instead. <laughs> but yeah, so when this goes on, they end up where Rec Rep comes and shoves a, a couch down what is the belly. How does mouth. he do that, by the way? He attaches two different web lines to it. Uh, how could you do? It, you the know? only funny play in this was at one point where they get into the room. And Rec Rep says, oh, my God, we're going to attack this repo. We need a funny quip. What is the funny quip? 
Peter sees Randy, goes, Randy. And then Redgraff's like, oh, classic. And then when he ends up shoving the couch into Repo, he yells, Randy. That's kind of funny. I got to chuckle. But <laughs> other than that, we're, we're just tying up loose ends. So why not just tie up loose ends by making <laughs> almost like an anglerfish move where you end up, like you said, you get a, a webbing into the kind of pseudo head type deal of repo. And then he webs the table. Somehow he connects it, it and it throws around. it in there. And throws it in so that the head goes in. Kind of reminds me of when you get sort of that look of somebody with their head up their own A. Like, it almost felt like that to me. But he eats himself, which then crosses the streams, which then ends up <laughs> sending him that whatever. It just ends. He just collapse in on himself. Like I, I guess that's what happens when you swallow your tongue, maybe. You and just here's the weird yourself. play. When you do this, though. Because what it seems like it'd be like almost like a perpetual deal because they're in limbo. Well, actually, they're not in limbo at that They're point. in that attic. They're in the attic. It, what goes on, if he eats something, it sends it to limbo, but he's also his body sending himself. So I think it like kind of like just blows up. Yeah, I think the whole world shuts down. Though. You know what I mean? Yeah. It kind of that it's whole a paradox and shuts up, everything I'm down. I'm telling yeah. you, it's like crossing the stream <laughs> in a really lame way. And then. You just get to the, and to make it so that you know, like, oh, this story meant nothing. You just go back to Madeline Pryor saying, congratulations, Rec Rap, you're pretty cool. And then everybody, including the Insidious Six, all end up, or Insidious Six, they all cheer. They have an exploding parade. A parade, yeah. And then he, Rec Rap says, all right, well, stay tuned after this episode of Rec Rap Storytime Adventure. We're now going to move off to the gang war. You know, Prelude, which is a little more somber tone than this. I'm like, I don't need meta fourth wall break. Please, just stop. You end up the rec rap stuff. I think most people be happy at just that. It's over. It meant nothing. This is what seems to happen a lot with Zeb Wells in this run. You said earlier you have to have a tight continuity and things like that. But to Mm -hmm. me, we're getting a lot of stories. Even, you know, the stuff where, oh, my God, Kamala Khan, she died. Boom. Next issue, we're having jokes. Then we end up having a darker story. Oh, Peter gets the sins of Norman. We end up boom, 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 done. Oh, what are the repercussions? Oh, wreck rap. And then you, everything moves on in a way that the other stuff is shown did not really matter. Because he likes to develop that stuff in the background, like without actually showing. Yeah. And he always wants to. I, because I swear, if people want to know what I think this wreck rap is, I think that Nick Lowe. And the other people involved, and I don't think that he's doing a good job as the full group editor anyway, but I think they ended up saying, listen, we have gang work coming up. You are a chucklehead. All you do is want to have your stupid. Fa- We're going to get it out of your system. You can use rec rap. We're going to get Ed McGinnis in <laughs> here. He's going to kick butt on the art. You're going to tell these stories. Get all of your stupid jokes out of your system because we need this gang war to be a little more serious. We can't have this nonsense. So do it now. Or don't do it at all. He's like, hey, I'll, I'll goof off. All right. And then he does it. Because yeah, when it, you get to the next part, it actually is a little And more. you're not allowed to call Cody Ziegler anymore and see what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. well, the problem is, is that's who's <laughs> doing the gang war stuff with him. So I think that in the play, they're like, listen, we're going to let you do this. We're telling Cody right now that you are actually taking it. That's his fun, too. He's done. I, I, again, people seem to like the Miles book. I'm not reading it. I kind of feel like I should be once. I mean, we're going to we're going to cover the stuff for gang where I'm hoping that it's easier to jump in. 
even if I haven't been reading it, but if I have to, I will go back. But he drives me nuts. And these two together, sentient sandwiches, uh, freaking mailboxes that are talking. Wait. I mean, uh, Christmas trees that are alive and smoking cigars. I don't need that. They probably said, listen, connect connect with Ziggler on the uh, gang war stuff. They start talking, <laughs> and but then they never get to it, and they just talk about, let's do this instead. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, I'm telling They Actually, Nicolo's going by, and he hears the, the giggling <laughs> going on. And then There's the no bullpen. work getting done. That's like, serious. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, oh, man, we got this idea. This wreck rap, he's going to come back. They're like, no, no, get that done now. That's not gang war. It's really, or else we're going to have a gang war right here. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Because once you get to the part that sets up the gang war, it's actually not bad. It's yeah. a little weird, but I like it. The weird thing I'm saying is we have Janice Lincoln, the Tombstone's daughter, who's there next to what I believe is not Tombstone. Like the funny play would be that she's gone and she's talking all this stuff and it's not to Tomb because it does not look like to, it not is. At but it all. doesn't look like him at all. But he's all withered. But the big play here is Hammerhead is going through like we saw before and he's just going through. And he's playing everybody against each other. And it, it, it works out pretty well. I, I actually yeah. thought it was kind of funny the way. And again, it has a sense of humor to it, but it's not a gag. It's not a joke. This is stuff that mobsters and people, this is what they do. You say that one person's talking about the other. Then you go and then go to that other person and say, oh, by the way, this is happening. You get, you know, a bunch of characters here to set up the whole gang war. And it's, like, uh, pretty it's, cool. it's basically like uh, Penguin in the Batman would do this. Yeah, yeah. It, I'm telling you, it's all. And I've been rewatching Sopranos. I, I could see it, this stuff happens all the yeah, time. Absolutely. I mean, Tony calls New York. They say that, but then Johnny Sachs is doing that. Like this is how it goes. So it. I mean, he's committing murders well. and framing people and doing all sorts of stuff. It's pretty funny. And like mm-hmm. you did this, and every. It's funny because what also you get out of this is when Hammerhead's doing this, everybody thinks Hammerhead's their friend. Yep. Like they, they go with, and that's the big play. He's playing them all against each other, but in the long run, he seems to be the one that's open to listen to everybody. They all think that. Now, if they get together and start saying, well, Hammerhead said this, whatever, that could be trouble. But then you go and you end up seeing Silvermane and Count Nefario, which we already know are kind of running things. And they actually say, yeah, you know what? Hammerhead, he's doing the job of a, you know, our peon. He's not really that important. We really don't care about him. But he's doing a good job. Silvermane seems to be like, man, he's he's a pretty good, you know, guy doing this. Oh, he doesn't mean count the fairies like he doesn't mean crap. But then at the end, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's crazy where Silvermane starts to fritz out. He's got mm-hmm. his, you know, robot body. He grabs Nefaria by the neck. I'm like, holy crap. But he keeps yelling. I'm not doing this. That's crazy. Then he rips his own head off. And then at the end, you have a mysterious figure. That you can't see, but he seems to recognize them. And it's somebody who thinks this gang war sounds like a lot of fun. Me and you both think it might be Norman, uh, especially because that's a big play with the original yeah, I'm gang going war. With that. It's funny when you first see it, I'm like, why, why is Matt Murdock so out of t- it, it really looks like Daredevil, the way that the light's shining into me and whatnot. But I don't think that's it. I think it's Goblin. But I said I looked up to see. Who was involved with Silvermane specifically in the last gang where one of the characters was rapier, tried to kill him? Like, I don't think it's him. Then the other play here that I thought was would be kind of crazy. I don't know how the power and what's going on here, but to be Madame Mask, who's now pissed off that her dad and all this, all this stuff. But I don't think it's that either. I think it might be Norman and we'll see how it goes. But by the end with that, it's kind of like, OK, it, it, I want to get to gang more. This seems like at least now it's. 
I mean, it still has a bit of a bit of humor kind of deal, but yeah. more humor of us seeing crazy stuff happen, not rec rap humor. So I'm looking forward to it. I, by the end of this, I'm like, all right, we'll see. And people will probably pish posh it and say, oh, my God, you know, I'll never read anything by Zeb Wells' words. It's the Spider-Man book coming out. We're going to be talking about it. So I do get at least a little excited when it seems like something is going to be there that we might enjoy. So yeah. I, I'm I'm all for Gangworth. This issue, not much, but what did you think? I, I agree with you. I think I'm happy to see these uh these loose ends tied up a bit. Um I think he was probably developing Norman in the background where we should have been where we should have tackled some of that stuff, but I think we'll be hit with that in uh in gang war. So I'd probably I'd, I'd probably give this uh just because they tied up some stuff a seven point five. Yeah, I think I'll go seven. And and here's the thing. The repo thing, I think, is it really makes it obvious. I think that's it wasn't that's the thing. The obvious thing at the end to me and you is that it's Norman. A lot of times we'll say though, well, it's too obvious. I don't think there's too obvious for Zeb Wells. The idea that he thinks that nobody figured out that repo was that repo guy from before. I mean, he really seems to think he's more clever than he is. The idea that Norman ended up the last we saw, he's kind of giggling. He ended up giggling and, you know, the since then yeah. the other play, he was completely off when he was yelling about rec rap being at Oscorp. Uh-huh. That didn't seem like him. And now we get this mysterious figure that Silvermane recognizes a big play would be Norman. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I like, mean, it could be anything. I'm just I think that's what it is. I, I was looking like, uh, do I see cornrows? Because if I see cornrows, it's either going to be Norman because I still swear that's what they are or A.I. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He probably has the mask on, so you yeah, don't I know. see it. It's weird because I was trying to get that play. Like, why are they doing it red? And that would seem like a way to throw you off. I'm even zooming in a little bit. I know this is the review copy, but it looks like his face looks a little green to me. Yeah, it's it's you weird. Zoom I in zoomed in too, and I was trying to see some things, but I, I let's check it out when the I hate copy. these PDFs that yeah. we get for the review copy because in my mind. I can't even really. That's definitely Goblin, dude. Hundred yeah, percent. I think it's. I think it's Norman. So we'll, we'll yeah. see. That people have been wanting Norman to get back to being Goblin. I know that after Gang War, he is going to. So why not? Why not yeah. make it him? So I'm seven euros, seven point five. But we'll move on to the next book, which I do think will be a little bit shorter review. And that next one is the Incredible Hulk. And I want to start this out, Matt. I've already talked to you about it. I want to reaffirm to everybody. This is one of my favorite books at Marvel. Mm-hmm. I really think that Philip Kenny Johnson might be telling a really cool story, but this issue has me worried. And just because I like the series doesn't mean I love every issue. And this is starting to, as I said, it's starting to worry me because it's starting to feel a lot like Ben Percy's run on Ghost Rider. Yes. And people really liked the Ben Percy run on Ghost Rider until they didn't. And that is now recently canceled. It's going to restart in a new number one because. The hype's gone because you can't keep meandering with a story. We said the Ghostwriter's story by Ben Percy was just go to town, to town, to town and and eliminate the awfulness of humanity Mm -hmm. and this, you know, the supernatural that's going on. It actually, to me, that works with the spirit of vengeance as well. But then when you go and have the spirit of vengeance in a book that also plays off that because it really does seem to harken back to the TV show. Where you always at the end you have you know Banner walking, walking off into the distance, know, yeah, Bill Bixby going off the with sad the music, music playing. So you have this play. In the meantime, you do in the background have this eldest, this elder of the monsters, waking up all the monsters, all that. 
But it really feels like we've gotten to the point where it's the monster of the month club. We're going to go from this issue to the next. Now, again, some of these may, this looks like it's going to last a couple issues, which I don't know why, because nothing happens really in this issue of that much excitement to me. Mm -hmm. I love that Nick climbs back on art. I think the art looks cool. Some of the things look really neat, but the idea where it is just another place where Banner and this girl end up where, oh no, there's big and bad things and it's another monster to attack. This one being a spirit of vengeance that we're not quite sure what it is, but we'll get to it. It is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, Nick Klein on art, Matthew Wilson on colors, VCs, Corey Petit on letters at spirit of vengeance. Part one. So I said by the end, I'm like, ah, part one, like, Let's get to it. We start off. I mean, things just happen here. We end up having this crazy deal in Texas where a town is attacked by this horrific looking monster that looks like it ends up killing a guy. Yeah, like you said, a chupacabra, a chupacabra. Yeah, it looks like a chupacabra that's, you know, attacking them. In the meantime, a month later, you end up have our two banner, the girl. They're walking down the road in Texas and a, a truck comes up. Hey. Do you want to get a ride? Mm-hmm. And you said the big play, too, is this guy seems like he's nice. In the uh, roundabout way, he may be setting them up to just be fodder. You know what I mean? Sacrifices. Yeah, they might think, well, we'll get these guys. It doesn't play totally like that, because even when they get there, I swear to God, the play should have been the guy saying, you have to sleep outside the camp. It'll eat you first. It'll eat <laughs> and, and then go away. But in the meantime, they go and there's just weird plays. They end up getting a ride. There's a cute little girl that like, like, oh, there's monsters here. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the play will be that Banner will say, I need to sleep outside the camp, outside this little makeshift town deal. And uh, they're like, no, no, you can't. These monsters. Well, in fact, Banner's like, you know, Bruce is like, I I kind of a monster myself. And he doesn't feel like he's there to stop it. He's just there. They're going to move on. The, these people are going to actually take them to the town they want to 30 miles west when they wake up the next day. In the meantime, I think he's afraid he's going to hulk out and maybe hurt some people. So he wants to be outside the deal. In the meantime, we go to this town that seems like they're going to get to. And you have this guy, possibly his wife. I'm not sure. Shakes. Oh, shakes. <laughs> this guy's like, hey, I'm going to go to talk to the people at the, the club. We're going to maybe go bowling. Okay, shakes. Yeah, okay. And then yeah. as he's going and kisses her goodbye, he envisions that he's going to slice and dice her. And boy, those arms are just that. That's yeah. where you get the shakes. It's that, it's that underarm. The arms and the legs. It's a good visual if nobody's seen it. It's yeah, pretty, and pretty I'm cool. telling you, I mean, this guy <laughs> isn't exactly Jack LaLanne either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Holy moly. So he's definitely not going to the gym. We no. know that. He's heading out with his buddies. He gets in the car, and as he's driving, he sees this vision where it looks like maybe he got eaten as well and has become the chupacabra, but he's trying to fight it off. I'm not sure. He sees the monster in the rearview. While he envisions running over this poor couple that's walking across the street, this guy's freaking out. We just leave that to go back to where Banner is and where this makeshift little town settlement. So Banner and the girl were walking. They get a they get a ride. They say, "I want to drive thirty miles." Right? Is that what it yep. was? The next town is thirty miles. How mad would you be if a thirty minute drive turned into 
We're spending the night somewhere, and we'll get back to you tomorrow. I'd this be so is mad. not I just an hour walking. and a half drive. This is 30 minutes. No, I don't want to go sleep in your weird town tonight. And you see the idea. They're on a highway in the middle of Texas. There's nobody on this highway. I, I'm thinking that they might be able to go like 75. You might be able to get there in a hot 18 minutes. Yes. That's it. Now, I understand that then they'd have to go. And here's the other. It almost plays the idea of, well, we can't because these monsters. But that doesn't make sense when you're driving, especially at a high speed. Don't involve me in your nonsense. I just want to ride. That's it. Like, by the end of this, you said that, you know, Bruce should hook out and and just get a hold of every. They're taking them there to murder town and not get it. Now, again, the other town looks like murder town as well. But they want to get to this town. But instead, make it like, oh, man, that's 120 miles. Texas has some real long stretches. You could just turn into the hall, grab the girl, and jump in one jump 30 miles. Yeah, he's just there. Well, instead, they go to murder jacks. (laughs) I don't want want to call this a town. It's kind of like this makeshift. It's not even a trailer park. It's just like a... When you go into the deal, it looks like a little bit of a park-type settlement. We'll call it a settlement. You know these kids aren't going to school. Oh, no. Look at them. That one kid is probably wearing, like, last year's Super Bowl Eagles <laughs> championship shirt because they're getting all those knockoffs. What's going? But they want to play soccer. But this one kid, he likes to hang around this dilapidated motorcycle that oh, it's going to remind you of Cap because it has the scar. But it's a 1950s kind of deal, 1940s, they say, World War II deal. But he starts talking about, oh, my God, you know, the, we're protected. And we end up having this motorcycle that comes to life when it protects us. In the meantime, Banner says, I'm going to sleep outside of the town. You end up having this lady give him a little lunch. Like, hey, I got a sandwich. And by the way, you better watch it. Like, all of a sudden, gets all supernatural with this whole play of maybe the eldest going and saying, what are you doing? It's all over for you. You and that girl, you should leave her behind. She's the one who's going to end up being, you know, you're going to get her killed. And then, boom, we see the motorcycle catch on fire. But it's because it's now the spirit of vengeance. We got a ghost rider in the house, y'all. And it starts to get on fire because now Banner's triggered to become the Hulk. And what we get is the wow moment again of the Hulk changing from Banner into the Hulk. It's horrific. Look at those toes. His face is just coming apart. This seems to be what is the full bit of wow factor of the series. It reminds me of when you end up having a series like, I'll tell you, James Tynum when he jumped on Batman over at DC. He said, we're going to have a new tech each issue. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. kind of got pushed aside and uh-huh. became a new character each issue. But still, <laughs> I, I hate when you get that play in a, a series of, oh, we're going to have this each issue because it just it was really crazy last issue. This is still crazy, but I think maybe you could have waited a couple issues. I don't need it. It started. I'm being desensitized to horrific switching between Banner oh, and the Hulk. So but the good. art's great. I, I do like the art. I'll tell you what the art reminds me of, especially the cover. And then the next issue's cover, it all looks like a kick-ass 1970s blacklight poster. Everything mm-hmm. in this, I'm like, oh, bye. Oh, yeah, you could do that. You know what I mean? Like, the covers especially, the next cover really looks like it. It reminds me, I used to go over to this one kid's house. My one friend, and he had a stoner older brother, had like 80 of these poster-like things in his room. That's awesome. I'm like, oh, but yeah, this covers are great. And uh, so you have that. So again... It's visually exciting at points, but you're not doing anything. And what really plays out here that gets you is you get this transformation that takes a page. The Hulk is hulked out to the Hulk extreme. Oh, my God. Look at his little head. Holy moly. 
right? I, it looks like he's got like it's not even muscles anymore, and his lats and his his freaking delts they're too much doing lat, lat pull downs for like a year straight like they talk about people skipping leg day he never <laughs> skips delt day <laughs> look at those things i mean it's huge it looks like a brain so he ends up like uh you know you never learn now we're gonna get that back and forth a cool play where he's looking down into a puddle of blood because he's yeah, just transformed and it's like the banner of the mind oh you know let me know you'll never learn banner should have stayed away like okay let's get a story though let's get something going all of a sudden we get this world war ii spirit of vengeance you can come in and start blasting at hulk great the spread page again could be a black light poster it looks great Mm -hmm. especially the flaming tire just ripping the Hulk's face it's really cool the end i i'm telling you at this point where I finally got this idea of, okay, I don't know what the Spirit of Vengeance really is. I don't get the play here. But, man, this seems cool. Oh, it's over. You wasted time of, hey, I'm going to drive you 30 miles. But, no, we're going to go back. And I don't want to sleep inside the deal. I'm going to sleep outside of camp. All right, you'll be in trouble. Lady Sandwich, also Guy and poor Shakes. I, by the end, I'm like, we didn't get anything. We got, we got a new Ghost Rider, which we did not need. In any way, shape, or form. it's. I think it's just going to be played out as this isn't quite a ghostwriter and the fact that it's going to be like a one and done. This kind of came about because this town needed vengeance. This person needed that. The whole play with the eldest and it's raising this and the other thing, I, I guess. I'll be okay with that. But if we get if we get an ongoing series with this guy, I'm going to be pretty upset, I think. <laughs> kind of looks neat, though. Got that helmet he's on. He's just got the helmet on. That's the only difference. He's there. He's giving the cups, the finger like Easy Rider. And he shoots a gun. Uh, yeah, he has a, a gun. Rifle. And that's the thing. I'd rather him be on a chopper than that whole like deal. But I'm sure this is going to be explained that it's a guy who he ended up getting screwed over. He wanted vengeance, never had it. So now that things are wonky. It's ever. I don't think that this will go far past this, but it looks great. But oh, there's yeah, no cool. story. There's no story here. And like we said, I, we're worried. I'm worried we have to get going because even though it does seem to be a darling, you know, bell of the ball, this book, a lot of people do like it. You're going to end up having people like, well, and what happens is, is the idea of, well, not much is happening. At not saying you hate it, but it's like, it's not, you know, I'll check it out in a couple months. I'll grab a couple issues later. Oh, I'll wait for the trade. I'll wait till it hits the app. Those are the things that you don't want to have people start trying to or making those decisions. The idea you want people to be like, oh, my God, I got to see what happens. At the end, I do want to see what happens Mm -hmm. with this spirit of vengeance. But I'm not going to tell you that I thought it was like the best issue ever. It was kind of a boring issue while it looked like the art was exciting. But the story itself really didn't do anything. And uh, I, I kind of want more than that. But what would you give up by the end? What's this issue number six? We need to do more. That's right? a number six for me on this. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to give it a six. And a lot of that is art. Yeah. And a lot of that is Art's me great. knowing how much I have enjoyed this series. I have it's enjoyed disappointing it. more than anything. So it's we're like on that. We're, we're on the teetering line here, right? Where we'll give yep. it a six. But the next issue has to improve or else it's going to really start going down. We're at a point where I, we now recognize that things aren't moving forward, that we have that in our heads. So you gotta, you gotta do more than this. Hopefully, you know, hopefully you get Bruce and he saves Shakes. I'm worried about Shakes. Shakes there. The idea that I'm sitting there and one thing that I remember, uh, Shakes. Yeah. So ridiculous. Shakes. 
so ridiculous, but we'll see. We'll see how it is. But yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear what people think about it because this ends up being one of the the Hulk has been since Immortal Hulk has kind of been one of those books. I know there was that little Donny Cates Starship Hulk that I oh, hated, God. but even then, forgot about that one already. This has that play more of an Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing, and that Absolutely. was another book that you could go through and. I got bored at points in that. Issue 25, I got completely furious and stopped reading for a while. But if you say that to people, they get so angry at you because they want to sit there in their mind and say that all 50 issues were 10 out of 10s. That's very tough to do. But they end up only remembering their overall, it was awesome. And that's what I'm afraid. This book, not that I'm afraid of that. It's great. People like it. But people have already gotten in that mode of this mm-hmm. book being. There's a bunch of books like that. Moon Knight by Jed McKay, I'll tell you right now, is one of those books where you get an issue and you're like, this is boring. And people lose their minds because they don't say that issue was great. They say, oh, the series. That's fine. But this issue's down. And that Jed McKay, Moon Knight, is tailed off. People yeah. are saying, people are going nuts about that Ben Percy Ghostwriter at the beginning. And then they kind of tailed off on that one. So. We'll see, but that's that. We're going to go to the next book, which is very, it's an odd one. Very odd. I mean, I think that this issue of Hulk's a bit odd, but the next book, I I don't get it, but we'll go to that now. And this book is Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars Battle World number one. It's the 40th anniversary of the original Secret Wars. That's the reason this exists, but that's the only reason this exists. This is a weird play. The idea that what they're playing here, and we've had these, hey, let's go back and tell the tales of You know, Spidey, let's do this. Peter David was doing a lot of that stuff, but it felt like not just, hey, we're going to go between these two panels in Secret Wars. They actually have had some things like this with Deadpool. There was that secret Secret Wars where they actually show, and that actually seemed kind of clever where, oh, I'm going to show you this. And like behind the scenes, Deadpool was doing a lot of crazy stuff. People just forgot about it. That that was kind of fun. And Mm -hmm. I said it earlier, me and you did a whole podcast series. On Secret Wars that if you want to listen to it It's over on our Patreon Patreon.com slash Weird Science But even so, when we went through it We never thought like Ooh, we need like some things Or why is that happening Or It wasn't anything, obviously So when you go and try to play this game I think you have to be more clever than this You have to be more clever than saying Oh, by the way, this story happened between these two panels On the side of a comic book Hey, here we go And really all you have is Spider-Man in the black suit wanting a snack and wandering off and getting pretty much captured by the Beyonders, plural, so that they can do a couple little tests because they think the Beyonder, singular, is a bunch of nonsense. They think that he's just throwing shape the complete time at the Beyonder. And when you get to the end, I'm like, all we're going to do by the end of this, in my mind, is wipe Spidey's mind somehow. Everybody's not going to remember this because they end up going back and never mentioning it. So all this is probably just going to be like they say, we're going to test you to see if you're up to par. You're pretty good. Get back to the secret wars, you little Yeah, because scab. There's, there's no constraints. Like he just goes off to an ice planet, then he goes to another place, and it's, there's no it's time involved. It's basically just jumping just... through like a weird they. It's not a multiverse. They, it's pocket dimensions. They yeah, set just, things up. But even then, you're like, what are they testing? Throw everything in the kitchen sink at Spider-Man and see how he does. To see how he does. And then even in a way, and it may just be me, but as it's going and you have this narration, again, it seems like the Beyonders, they're talking about how the Beyonder, he's lame. He didn't know what he was doing. He got, you know, and they do mention the stuff if you haven't read Secret Wars. 
it does give you a little bit going on. Oh, my God, Dr. Doom, he stole the power. Oh, my God, they're doing this. You have yeah. all that play. And that's kind of the deal of, look at him. He was so lame. He got his power taken, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, well, we'll see what happens later with you, Beyonders. Because you're going to get the same thing happen to you (laughs) in this, in the 2015 deal. But in the play here, it almost feels like, and you may agree or disagree, that they even kind of think if Spider-Man dies, it's not really going to, like, it's he's not really going to die. They'll just send him back. Like, this seems like they're just going to test him to a limit. And if he can survive this, then they know he's pretty good on their own testing, but they're still going to, well, they have to. They have to send them back anyway. So yeah, of course. it's just one of those things like, again, you're setting up no real. And you, you can't even have the costume doing Venom stuff because that hadn't been established yet. So it's. Yeah. So it's just him in a black costume. Yeah. At one point, because Johnny Storm shows up. I didn't even see what was going on there. It just looks like on the shoulder, it? it starts to dissipate a little. It starts to pull away. And he's like, oh, my. It, but it wasn't a wild moment because you could barely see anything. But. This is written by, and again, I'll say, it's Marvel Superhero Secret Wars Battle World. It's written by Tom DeFalco, art by Pat Olaf, John Calise on colors. I could barely read these credits, too. I know. It's going back to the Star Wars nonsense letter. DC's joke here, Manya, I was actually going to bring up Star Wars, too. When me and Matt did our Star Wars podcast that we, we had enough of that dark droids of bail. R.I.P. The R.I.P. Uh, the idea where you couldn't go too far because you end up having another point coming up. You end up having Return of the Jedi because the Star Wars books, if you're not aware, happen between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. This happens where a panel later, Peter's got to go back and Johnny, and you know, so you can't really do that much. There's not going to be much stakes. They're not going to be, you're not going to have much tension because he does end up going back. But it literally says, see what happens between these two panels. That's like crazy. And also, Secret Wars is 1984. And last time I checked, we're 2023. So I don't think that's the 40th anniversary, but what? I guess we'll go they with claim. it. Yeah, we'll go with it. So <laughs> Peter goes and he, the whole play is him just like, I don't know where I am. The Beyonder must be responsible. Then you have a narration of, ooh, the Beyonder isn't. It's us, the Beyonders. We're... And then Peter will go to the next thing where he's fighting a wolf, a big giant wolf man. I think the Beyonders. It just the keeps repeating. Man. It's just the idea of, oh, man, what's the Beyonder up to? Oh, my God. And even such lines, because, again, I'm not, couldn't tell you that I really care much either way about Tom DeFalco. I actually went back to look if I ever reviewed anything by Tom DeFalco. I have and hated everything. It's only a couple really? little DC things. He ended up filling in at one point for like a thing in Justice League. And I look back at my review and basically I said, this is generic. And it feels like an issue that was sitting around forever. This here is generic. And it's just an odd play because he like he's just doing things. And like you said, the Beyonders are then going to whip Peter to the next thing. And then the next thing, as you see a little catch up with the whole Secret Wars. But eventually... You just end up where, okay, he defeats these ice giants and wolfmen. He gets caught up in a whirlpool of nonsense and ends up in what I, at first I thought Arcade had a pinball machine, but mm-hmm. this is more of that very Fantastic Four classic Silver Age type cosmic where he, re- and he realizes right away. He's like, oh my God, here I am. The Beyonder must be doing this again. Oh, here, I better not go through that portal, but I'll go through this. And he ends up just in the next spot where 
you just have just random things. I mean, lizard monsters fun. fighting other lizard monsters, swamp things, all connected to tank that, monsters. It, yeah, they look like weird toys, but that's the thing. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to look like. It's a yes. secret wars, but nobody's buying these toys. These no. are the most horrific. Toys. No parents buying. Nobody's for saying I want the swamp monster with the tank tracks. I know somebody's going to say he would like it. Yeah, Eric I, again, like that's it. who I was thinking of, but. This isn't quite that. <laughs> so fighting that along with what looks like huge forehead, multi-eyed Kangs, maybe yeah. zombies fighting. They even have and they're riding on cockroaches. All right. And then out of nowhere, oh, my God, Johnny Storm shows up and you end up where they're going to fight. Peter at one point says, "I, you wouldn't be in my top 10 of people I even like. That felt weird. Yeah, we went through the entire list and we decided he was actually number one on his list. Yeah, or like a superhero deal. I mean, it's yeah. an amazing friend there. So they're there. They end up in it. But at this issue, I'm not going to dwell too much on it. I don't get from this first issue any clear cut idea of, OK, well, they have to do this, this and this to get out of this. They have to do this, this and this. This just seems like the random musings of the Beyonders who think it's pretty cool to just throw Peter into wacky stuff between panels with Johnny and then just say, Hey, look at this, because then they end up in like this rundown life after people city. Zombies. And then they don't know what's going on. They're attacked by zombies. But this isn't like you're going with, okay, I get it. What they're doing is if Marvel Zombies was around in the 80s, they would have had some because it doesn't feel that. Well, it's more like the 2015 Secret Wars where they have the zombies And again, over the I, wall. I got the idea at one point that, well, oh, what they're going to do is if these things existed at the time, it'd be cool for toys and we'll do it. But it doesn't feel like that. It never feels like it gets to that point because then you just end up having Johnny Stormshop. Why did you do this? And it's not like he's a cut. He is aware that, oh, Peter, what did you do, Spidey? You made me come here. Why did you do this? I just wanted a snack. Oh, man, it's your fault. Then you end up absorbing man shows up. He's whipping the ball around. He's doing his thing. Then you get the hobgoblin out of nowhere. (laughs) What are you doing? This is where when we we talked about it, when we did our big podcast deal, you end up Secret Wars is a goofy play of it's a huge thing that really was to sell toys. But it ended up a lot more fun and actually good then you would think something that was just thrown out there to sell toys. Like, at that point, any Saturday morning cartoon would do. But it actually ended up pretty good. We enjoyed it. We had a lot of fun with it. So when you do this, I'm like, I'm not getting the fun of it. I don't really get any sort of blueprint of, oh, I get it. This is what they're doing. It just feels like, oh, you know who wasn't in Secret Wars? Pop Goblin. Here he is. Like, all right. You know what else wasn't? Zombies. Here they are. Oh, my God, Absorbing Man. He's there just to take the power from Johnny so that Spider-Man has to run. And then we just end. Like, this this stinks. Yes, <laughs> really it's does. Uh... This, when people find out, if, if you end up where you're just listening to the podcast and you heard us say the next up is this Battle World book, you're probably going to think to yourself, ooh, that sounds like a bunch of nothingness. That is nothing that I was aware of or I wanted to read. I'm going to tell you you're right on, spot on, because that's what it is. The idea that the Secret Wars was to sell toys, goofy deal, and ended up being that good is the antithesis of this, where you're trying to do something clever, and then you get surface level nothing and just throw things at people. It's not good at all. And I, I seem like I'm getting angry. Not that angry. I just end up like I thought that this was going to be something me and you would have fun with because we did Secret Wars 
if it was done in some sort of clever way, this doesn't even feel like they had a pitch to go. They just no. said, oh, God, there's an just anniversary. A, if you want to reminisce it. about it, just go back and read the original because a lot of people probably haven't even read that since it's 40 years old. Yeah, and if go you have read the that. app, just go do that. Or- yeah, then then read Secret Wars 2 and then then read Crisis on if, uh, Infinite Earths and, and never read this. No. Basically. No. There's no need. There's no need. No need. So <laughs> I'll tell you what it does where – you get one issue, maybe the next three, because this is four issues. Maybe I mean, I'll still read through it just but, to see. Oh, yeah, we'll probably review it just to see. Yeah, but yeah, why not? It actually lessens my enthusiasm for the whole Secret Wars in one single issue where I'm like, yeah, this isn't fun or It's cool. one thing like, if like we had never seen the black costume in 40 years and it's back or, or something like that, but we see it all the time. So you don't even get uh, anything good from that. Is anybody sitting there and saying like, oh, my God, what would have been cool? Secret Wars would have been so much cooler if Hobgoblin was involved. Yeah. Anybody? I mean, nobody's no. really thinking. Of, like, that's why you, you have to have something clever. This just feels like it's just thrown out there. Uh, what would you give it? I'll give it a, uh, I'll give it a flat five. Not yeah, even I'm a special a one, just a regular five. five. The art's pretty good. I actually yeah. like the art. It's pretty cool. But it's not it, – it, again, my biggest problem, it's not fun at all. It's really kind of confusing. The narration is kind of annoying. Peter just keeps yelling about Beyonders. Then he's bickering with Johnny. It doesn't really feel like it's set up to really do anything to have fun, which I think that's the route. You should have went with this, maybe played it up a little yeah, different. I, but. I think keeping them on wherever the – the building or wherever they were at the time, keeping him in there and interacting with people might have been more interesting or actually trying to get a snack maybe and maybe take a more funny route with arches at one point. Yeah. That's their joke. But yeah, I'm like, I just don't see any reason for it. I would have went a little more comical with this. That's all. I think I wouldn't. I think I would have because you're really how the Deadpool thing was. And maybe Peter realizes, oh man, like, because stuff where he's leaving, like the crap has hit the fan. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. Maybe he looks at this as, oh, man, maybe I won. Maybe I got, because the, remember, the whole thing is to win the power and to get back and whatever. Yep. And maybe you could have played that route. You could have played the idea that he's like, oh, or maybe I lost. This is it. But give me a set idea of how Peter, like, I got to do this to stop this and get out. He's just randomly just running around and then Johnny shows up. It's like just ridiculous. But with all of that, yeah, there we go. You had three books, not really great selections this week, but you get what you get. You don't get upset because we're going to move on. And I believe at this next part, and I'm here with my men, Zach. What up, Zach? What's up, Jim? What up? And we have Captain Marvel number two. We didn't love Captain Marvel number one. No, we did uh, not. I'll let everybody know, and me and you will have a discussion on whether or not things have improved or gotten worse. It's written by Alyssa Wong, art by Jan Balzadwea. Brian Valenza on colors, letters by VCs, Ariana Mayer. We start in the negative zone where Carol, Captain Marvel, is there, and that sets the tone for what has already been the two issues. And this issue itself is that Carol is taking back seat to new character self-insert Uni Yang. And I again, I said it in the first issue, I hate to use that self-insert deal. I hate to use catchphrases and things like that, but when things happen, the way they do sometimes you have to use those things and so the play of this book so far in two issues even after this one is that yuni yang is the star of this book this is a yuni yang book co-starring captain marvel now if you are somebody who doesn't like captain marvel per se because there's a lot of haters out there that doesn't mean this is better 
Like, this doesn't mean that, oh, my God, this sounds cool because I don't really love Captain Marvel. Now, it's it's really not that great. And by the end of this issue, most of, if not all of the problems are solved by not Captain Marvel, but Yuna Yang, who suddenly just knows everything, ends up being this crazy deal. And we just focus on her. We start in the negazone with Carol, who's saying, you know, hey, Yuna, what's going on? We have to practice this whole you know, negaband thing and me being in the negative zone and you not being in the negative zone while Yuna is there in school, Empire State University, trying to get a date with her, I guess, lab partner or her deal. They're going to end up doing this whole, I don't know, they're doing a group project, Leonore, who, who is there. And it's, I mean, that's okay. It's slice of life kind of thing, but I'm kind of here for Captain Marvel. Yeah. And Captain Marvel is, again, regulated to rubbing things in the negative zone saying hey uh, what do you think this is i mean they're pretty much playing charades of the negative zone hey what am i rubbing oh is that a chair it is that's what we're getting (laughs) this is what this book is about so while you have yuna you know trying to get a date trying to you know i'm being kind of uh you know shy it's not bad but the the school gets attacked because the thing is she has these negabands this is something big. It, they ended up getting these by getting the hands cut off of Genesville with this huge end of world villain coming at him. And this is where you have Yuni Yang surprised that she might have people around her in danger and also surprised that Genesville is coming back for the Negabands and that the omen, this big villain, is not taken care of completely. And it's kind of ridiculous. Even yeah. in that the way you're playing these negabands in the negative zone, at a point, it really feels like, you, I, what do they have the negative zone app? It feels like at points that Yuna like looks on her phone and says, oh, my God, check this out, Carol. And then Carol's <laughs> so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous what is going on in this book and what is happening. You have Janice Val, who we had seen has that big hole in his chest. He is yelling, he wants his negabands back. Oh my God, Carol wants to switch off with Yuna. That is going to be the big play of until these negabands disappear, we're going to play the game of, oh my God, Yuna, you're not powerful for this. Almost die, then switch with Carol, and then have some wackiness when the switches come on. But in that, you end up having the school just tumbling down. Yuna ends up jumping, saves this Leonore, and then you end up where eventually then Carol does switch. With Yuna, and you go from there because again, we are now, as we said the last issue, we're 12 pages in, and Carol has really done nothing but rub some things and say, Hey, is this a chair? Yeah, she lectured uh, Uni at one point too, just being like, You need to take this seriously. It's the same time as Leonor, she had starts yelling at them about they need to focus, and both of them are yelling at the same time, like, You need to focus on what I'm doing. No, you need to focus on the schoolwork and all that. I, I will say right now, Alyssa Wong. If you're listening, you need to focus on who the main character is in this book, who is on the marquee, who is going here, because that is Carol. That's not Yuna. We don't. I mean, Yuna's fine as a side character, a point of view deal, but you're actually almost making Carol the point of view into Yuna's life. And I don't really care. I really don't. So when you get to this and you finally do get Carol, you think, okay, well, this will be kind of cool now, at least. And it's kind of just a lame fight with a Janice Val who has a big hole in his chest and really is just a portal for that villain omen. 
to kind of reach out and by like grabby touchy try to grab the negabands. I mean, yeah. you, you get such silly things here as almost again, you're going to try to introduce some things to newer readers, but the idea that Yuna's like, can you breathe underwater? Not before. And I'm like, okay, like that's not what we need. What you need to do is really spell out that you know the negabands because it doesn't seem like you do. Maybe give us some Janice Val background, which you're not going to do. And you just end up having a lame fight scene while again, Yuna is trying to figure out everything, you know, because Carol just can't or won't. The whole idea of this space-time distortion and magical energy signatures, all these things going on are straight from Yuna, who is in the negative zone. But it doesn't really matter because they're playing the game here of you're just kind of joining up in an astral form next to me and flying with me and doing things. And by the end, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get why the focus is like it is at the moment. But you go again because we have this fight. I mean, it looks okay. The art's decent enough, right? Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. I like the fight a little bit more than you. I'm, I'm not going to say it was cool or anything like that. It still was pretty lame. But I do like what Captain Marvel says and does during it because she puts emphasis on like, okay, I only got a few minutes before I go back into the negative zone. So I need to end this quickly. I need to get away from civilians. I like all that, but that's just generic superhero stuff. You could have gotten that with any superhero. And it's generic super that this is why it gets me actually angry, because again, we're having the rules then bent towards Yona. It's Carol who's stuck in the negative zone. Carol's the one who needs to come out when she uses it. It's just gonna go back to Yuna very quickly. I don't know why. I don't know why we have this focus in this where we're going to get more Yuna, which we do in this issue, because when Carol comes out, starts using his powers, it, it's only going to be a, a couple minutes before she gets taken back into the negative zone. And that just is weird. It's a weird play. I guess the way we're playing this is eventually they will get rid of the, the negabands, you would hope. But even then, you know what's going to happen. Carol's going to say, man, we were such a good team that you should stay. It just it it throws me off. It throws me off. It's it's fine if you end up where you start out. Have Carol for a couple issues. I said it in the first review. Give me the idea so I can tell if you know Carol that you have a good voice for Carol. I don't I don't know. Like you said, it's neat. It's nice it's enough. Generic that she says I'm going to bring him out, but it's generic superhero stuff. And in the meantime, you even said to me before we started that it gets wonky and generic even more when, and again, you end up where Carol's fighting, but Yuna is telling her everything what to do. You got to do this. You got to do that. And then says, oh my God, I think I know where we can go only to kind of lay low. You need to get somebody because out of nowhere, Yuna says, you mean that this Genesville is going to keep trying to get these megabands? Like, yeah, yeah. And the omen controlling them, all that. So they need to go someplace that ends up masking the negaband signature. So they're trying to, it's almost like the idea that every Morty is the deal to erase the signature of a Rick and the Rick and Morty stuff. So you end right. up where they're going to go to somewhere and you end up having, Yuna, and again, it's Yuna who comes up with Carol is a, she's Captain Marvel for crying out loud. Like she can't come up with an idea about this play of negabands and how you can go here, there, or everywhere. She has been, they could just go into space. Again, you can't because of Yuna, but still, she's like, oh, I have this idea. This is Yuna. I have an idea where we can go. 
It's a place that has tons of magic stuff. I mean, this is like so it's like it's strange how much magic stuff this is here. <laughs> I mean, she might as well just start going like that. Like, I mean, it, only a doctor would know how strange this is. Even in that where as this is going on, you start to think because why isn't Carol calling on a bunch of people that she knows that love her that she's on the Avengers right now. I mean, yeah, she's leading the Avengers right now. Surely, why don't take her to the Impossible City? Tie it in somehow. Yeah, you could go there. You could go here. You could go to Wakanda. You can go where you could find some place here and some help, especially against what the whole play is. And in my mind, you are still overall putting somebody who isn't in your superhero world. And a lot of danger. I mean, I don't really care if Yuna lives, dies, or whatever. But you're you're you, letting her, I know, you're letting her be in some grave danger here. How dare you? But also letting her, like, lead the way. It's very odd. But while this is, I think the first, I even thought, like, at the beginning, why aren't they going to Doctor Strange? Well, they do, but only through Yuna. It's not Carol saying, listen. Which is really weird because I was telling you about this. I was like, well, surely that should have been Captain Marvel's first idea because if you had read Captain Marvel not even a year or two ago, she was training with uh, the Sorcerer Supreme. You know, she was doing that whole crap. They're they're part of the whole crew, you know, so this whole play. And even in the uh, Kelly Thompson deal, she was dating Tony at one point, things like that. There's so many things that she could do or not do or whatnot. And Instead, she's like, oh, do you know where we can go? Yuna's like, yeah, I've got this strange place and wh- where we can go. Why is Yuna so cryptic about this? It's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's like the magical stronghold. It's like a Fort Knock. And it's just like, just say Sanctum Sanctorium. Because she is saying this because she wants to rob everything in the place. This is still going back to that play at the beginning. Hey, are you a good person or a bad person? Well, I kind of, you know, rob things. Well, at this point, it doesn't matter. It really does. And I'll hit the thing because it doesn't matter because they are connected with the Negabench. Got to get these off. So she's big. And also, it's supposed to be this wow moment at the end. Oh my God. She was talking about the Sanctum Sanctorum. Oh, really? That's a shock. And Carol does seem kind of shocked. And in the way, though, I think that Carol is. Alyssa Long's trying to play out the idea of, oh, you steal a lot of things. Do you know any place where these things would be? And hoping it would be just some random thing where they have a storage deal. Well, when you see it's the Sanctum Sanctorum, I think then Carol's like, oh, crap, these are my friends. But again, you should have said, oh, crap, I got to get my friends earlier. They get there. And this is where you play off. And the art doesn't do it in a great way, because as this is going on, you still have Yuna in the negative zone. Carol's trying to get into the Sanctum Sanctorum before the switch, because the time is running out. Literally, she could go to the front door and knock because it's Carol, but instead she's going to zoom and crash through. It switches so that Yuna can crash through. But even then, they're basically together anyway, the way this plays out with this like almost astral projection. They go in, they crash in. Oh, no, it looks like we're in trouble. I swear to God, this is going to end up that it's Dr. Strange or Wong dressed up in some Halloween costume like, hey, look at me, I'm a werewolf. Uh, it, it's so ridiculously bad. <laughs> the wolf, the wolf man. See, you end up where, oh no, what's Yuna gonna do in the Sanctum Sanctorum facing they, a they monster? I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> they they have their enchanted pipe. Yeah, you got that pipe. I, I mean, so somebody's on the pipe for allowing this to get through. If I ended up, if, if me and you are editors and this comes across the desk and you're like, 
I don't know. This is pretty good. I'm, I'm slapping you first and then ripping it up and throwing it away. I said slightly better than the first issue. A crap sandwich. You put a little ketchup on it. Is it a better? It might be a better crap sandwich. It's still a crap sandwich. This is a crap sandwich. This is bad. This is bad, again, because in two issues, there's no focus on Captain. Captain Marvel is a book that's now hijacked by Yuna Yang. This is something that, as an Alyssa Wong deal, always does it. But it's also something that I am really getting sick of at DC and Marvel. People not concentrating on the main character that the book is about. And even at the end, it's actually the idea that at the end, it's like, hey, Carol Coeur. I'm like, really? Because this seems like like the Una gang. It should be. That's what it should be. The Una bombers is what I'm going to call them. That's good because oh, this no. is a bomb. Uh, do you think that would do you think that would go well? The Una bombers. I mean, no, I don't think it will. Uh, yes. So, yeah, it says, hey, ongoing series is finally here. Carol Coeur. Right in. Uh, right in. All right. I won't. But still. And hey, by the way. Carol's still dressed up like Paul in the Sergeant Pepper's good thing. You have that new costume, but it does nothing. But what would you give this by the end? Uh, like I said, I think it's a marginal improvement. But talking to you, I don't know. I was going to go 5.5, but I'm going to just be at a 5.2. It is slightly better than the first issue for me. I know you don't like it more. 3.5 That's what I'm saying. I'm going 5.2 because even though it's not a good Captain Marvel book, I, we, at least you get the generic superhero stuff because there's too many other books out there right now where the heroes are incompetent. So I'm, I'm going to give it a little credit the thing is of just i will argue that way of saying that carol does like yeah she says i'm gonna take them away from people that's it everything else is solved by yuna who is just a college student slash burglar that we don't even know and just shows up and now with this just remember carol is the head of the avengers right now not yeah. just a member of the avengers she is of the leader of she is leading Black Panther. She is leading Tony Stark, some of the smartest, most capable and she was elected the leader. And in this one, a college student that seems to be kind of a bit of a slacker and, you know, a little bit, I don't know, flighty the way they're kind of playing the idea of, hey, you gotta concentrate, whatnot, who ends up being a like it solves everything? Please. This is ridiculous. Alyssa Wong it should be off this book already. I mean, I I usually give something three issues, but this is just, it, it's actually ridiculously bad. So that is my take. The art, though, is pretty good. Yeah, I think the it's art's right. neat, right? But that's, yeah. that's that. There you go. I, I punch you right in the face, and then I rip up the script. That's what I say. But I still think Yuna Bombers, that's a pretty good thing. I think that's going to catch on. But with I that, I'm going to put that in the... Uh, the title of the podcast, I think. But with that, we're going to move on uh, to me and Jason talking probably about two other things that will drive me nuts as well, uh, because they kind of have that little bit of an X-Men type uh, you know, oh, connection no. that drives me nuts. But here we go with those right about now. And here I am with Jason. What up, Jason? I'm doing great. I'm getting ready for Thanksgiving as we record this. I uh, I made a tart today. Very exciting. Oh, Never made a you tart made a before. Tart, did you? I, I did. never made a tart. I I tend to go with less, uh, well, you say tart, and I'm going to say I go with less sweet things. So that's kind of a funny play. But the idea, I'm more of a meat and cheese kind of guy when I do my meal. We're going to have that, that, that too. Try out a cranberry tart, new, new recipe. for me. That actually sounds pretty good. I uh, made a ravioli pizza today after seeing a video, huh. and I thought that'd be pretty cool. 
actually made my own pizza sauce, too. Wow. Did the ravioli go, is it like a topping, the ravioli on top of the pizza? You actually put the, the sauce, ravioli, cheese, then a bit more sauce kind of in a swirly pad. Mm-hmm. That's how I did it. But it is so, contained in. Not good for people who are trying to low carb it then. No, it's no. heavy carbs. It's one of the <laughs> things, and, and when, I don't know, a couple of years ago, it became a thing that I saw where people were getting more into, like, pasta-based pizzas. It's very odd. There, uh, There's a place in town that had a rigatoni pizza that everybody was going on and on about. Now it's gotten even crazier with things. But I saw a video. I thought, you know what? I've been meaning to make my own pizza sauce, so I went for it. Nobody ate it, but I liked it. Everybody else just looked at it and just shook their head and walked away. I was so sad. I yeah, thought I they were going to be into it. I did try, but it didn't work out. But in the meantime, we're here to talk about some books that maybe we'll say by the end, well, they tried. <laughs> they tried to do something. We'll, we'll did see. They, did they really? They tried to do something. Tried to get us to buy another book. But I'll, I'll rant about that later. Yeah, the second book we're doing is that. Now, the first one, which is Avengers Anchor, Avengers Incorporated, I just don't get it still. We keep going, and this is, you know, going on to the point where we said the last issue, we're not really getting the lay of the land or what this book is for, but it was interesting enough. Like, Al Ewing's trying to give us kind of this tour of the Marvel Universe and also has this overarching mystery about what the heck's going on with this whirlwind guy who thinks he's Victor Shade. And also put an individual mystery start to finish in every issue. And there's just not enough pages to do all those things in one issue. Yeah, and this this is actually one of those plays because we're going to be in Valhalla. We're going to have this quote-unquote mystery that by the end you realize it really isn't a mystery. Like you, you may claim it's a mystery, but it's more of just somebody doing something and you didn't know. That, that's basically what it ends up being. And it drove me nuts, but... When we did the last issue, especially when I made a video for it and I put it up on YouTube, which people should check out the Weird Science Comics YouTube channel, by the way. I know you wanted to tell them that, Jason. Like and subscribe. Yes, yes, exactly. But when I put up our review, we ended up saying we we weren't really that negative unless we were just confused. We actually, I think you were even more positive than me, but we were kind of confused saying, well, we're not really getting the whole play here. Okay, it's a mystery, whatever. I'm still at, but the people seem to really be into this book, or at least the people who ended up commenting. And I asked them why, and I said, well, explain what you like about it. But they really couldn't. And I think that's kind of the way this is. It's the idea that if you like it, you might just like Al Ewing. You might like the tour of the Marvel Universe, like you said. But if you really break down the, the plot, the mystery, I don't know. I'm more concerned or interested in Vic Shade. I'm more right. with that. With the Hank Pym thing. We we get one panel of a tease of that, exactly one panel this time. And it's not even giving us any information. It's reminding us that, oh, yeah, Hank Pym's behind this. Yeah. And, and so, it. and I'll give the credits in a second. The, the problem I have here is I don't think that me and you, as, you know, betting men that we are, Jason, high rollers. Idea, <laughs> high rollers we are. The idea where we would Luckily, bet that this is going to be a big seller. Like, this is a book where it really feels like if you have some big story to tell, Tell it quick, mm-hmm. get it going, get some people behind it. Don't really, yeah, and this it, seems, it seems so like strung a book out. targeted to Al Ewing fans. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an Al Ewing fan. We know Ruben's a big Al Ewing fan, but I don't think somebody just walking into the comic shop or looking at, uh, you know, previews world, what's coming out is going to say, oh, Avengers Inc., Janet Van Dyne, and some guy who is not actually the vision. I don't know what the, the call is. And it's, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was just going to say that you're giving like what would be the elevator pitch for a comic store owner, even somebody or if somebody got a hold of you, just said, oh, Jason, you do that stuff. It's a hard pitch. It, yeah, and it's there's, really there's also like a fashion thing where I think Janet's wearing a different outfit every issue. So if you're into that, not really my thing. <laughs> as, I, as I sit here and rip jeans and a hoodie, you know. That's the best. I'm in shorts and a hoodie. The idea that if, if anybody was there and like, I, I hope that somebody's just shaking their head yes. Like that is why finally Jason understands me <laughs> and my, my inner soul here. It is funny because when it started, it did feel like the – the British Avengers TV show kind of right. feel it had a little mod type feel Emma, to it. Emma so Peel, I get that. right? Yeah, Emma Peel, which actually I had, I, I'm not old enough to have watched that, I think, in the regular run. But when I was a kid and I saw Emma, I kind of was smitten by her as a little kid. I do yeah, like was. her look. Yeah, really. So when you go through this, though, it's like, don't get it. But it, again, it's Avengers Inc. written by Al Ewing. It's number three, The Man Who Died Twice, again, playing that game. Pencils by Leonard Kirk. Really good art. I do like the art. Inks by Leonard Kirk and uh, Ballardino Bravo. I'm having problems. Colors by Alex Sinclair and Letters by uh, VC's Corey Petit. So we get into this and we saw in the last issue that, oh my God, there's problems in Valhalla. Yeah, every issue gets one, like one or two last pages teasing the next mystery, which is, you know, that's a classic, like a TV show mystery. They'll do that. I, I like that. It's not a bad. Bad form, bad setup. Yeah, I like it. The, the problem is, is that maybe by the end of this issue, we might say that you might have a problem when the mystery coming up isn't exactly exciting, but we'll see Valhalla, though. All right, we're here, and pretty much we get a mystery, and I think that you would maybe agree here, because you were the one, when mm-hmm. we first started this out, seeing somebody not reacting in the crowd, and oh my... It seems like that's pretty much like the who done it is just you have to pay attention at the beginning to see who's reacting and who's going right. on it, in it, the they crowd. Don't quite show you the crime Columbo style, but you know somebody at the start of the issue is going to be the culprit at the end of the issue. Yeah, and so when you see this, the, the really person who you would kind of hang your hat on is this older guy who basically the guy the at the beginning says, who has the first yeah, line, yeah, who says tis the time scourge, right? Really, so. If that's the case, and it is, you know, spoilers, when you get to the reveal, it is that play of, could I really have gotten involved? Could I actually have played along? Because, I mean, you could guess, obviously, but you really can't play along because it's being told in a way that's supposed to be tricking everybody. So when we see it, we find out later, just as, again, a full-out spoiler, that this is a setup that scourges in on. So the idea of turning the... The giant boar, you know, all this. I'm, I'm not in Valhalla. I don't know the rules that why, you don't really have to why, turn it, so right? This, this guy is secretly Odin, and Odin can kill a person in Valhalla, but you can't, you can't kill anyone in anger. That's like a big thing stated like five times. So it's not in anger. It's a setup because Scourge wants to be killed by Odin in Valhalla, which will send him back to Earth, I think, so he can be a guest star in Al Ewing's other book, The Immortal Thor. And Al Ewing loves to have this tight continuity between his books, which can be great. But but so why do they go through this whole charade here of pretending that he's being murdered? <laughs> I know. Well, when he, they can just go to the back room and and Odin can just you know cold hardly said, "Oh, off you go, stabby stabby." And the weird done thing is, you threw in that extra caveat, the idea of just go somewhere. 
where nobody sees you because yeah. pretty much we by the end, show here. No, by the end, it is dinner theater, I guess. But you end up where at the end, Odin does say, I can't let anybody else know because they'll want to do that, even though you're in Valhalla, first off. And he says, Scrooge does this because he has a vision that Thor is in big trouble. You end up being, you mentioned the axe and the hammer. We have that in the Thor book, the Immortal Thor deal. And this shows you, and it says this takes place during like the first issue of that. So when he sees this vision, he needs to go help Thor. He actually sacrifices a lot of stuff here when they explain the idea that if he goes back, he may never be able to get back to Valhalla now. Right. He's kind of given up that. That's big. So I don't know that everybody would want to go back. But in the meantime, you're playing that idea of a mortal. Or gods can't kill gods, like you said, in anger. They can't do this, that. When you're kind of getting a little swerve to the Grim Reaper, a character who just shows up because he ends up recognizing Vision slash Vic Shade. But by the end, it is a god. It's Odin. Oh, Father. And he did it because it was a setup and they knew it was going. It's actually ridiculous what happens by the end. And it's just to get scared to go help Thor. But in the meantime, you almost feel like you're dumb at the end by trying to figure it out. And I actually, by this point, I'm not yeah, even trying to figure things out. The investigation part of it. So Al Ewing likes to spend a lot of time like set, showing us these parts of the Marvel Universe, having the characters, have some nice character work, which I enjoy, setting up things for his other books. But the actual mystery part of it, the, you know, the detective solves a mystery, is about a page and a half. And, th- and that's it. There's no, you know questioning people and putting things together and oh i've learned something but is it a red herring no it's like i show up she talks janet talks to two people i've solved the mystery hey odin it was you wasn't it yep it was me you got yep me. it was me yeah. well, I, because he's the old guy but we didn't know that now I'll, I'll bring up something that's totally just personal to me i okay. used to be in a big encyclopedia, encyclopedia brown thing i used oh, to get yeah, all the them. books and the deal love them there, there was there, one there was no cherry stones or stems on the ground so Bugs Meaty could not have been eating cherries all day. And this is the problem is there was one. I was so into these. There was one where Bugs Meaty ends mm-hmm. up bragging that he has this crazy rookie baseball card. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm in the baseball. And basically, by the end, the way that it was solved is that Encyclopedia Brown looked at the card and realized that the stats were wrong. Ooh. The made up stats that weren't <laughs> real. And so by the end, I thought. How could That's I play along? How no. could I play along? I got Usually so mad. I was done. played fair. Yeah, he did. I mean, awesome. I love it. But this was one where I'm telling you, you couldn't play along. And it got me so upset as a little kid. that I, 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 I see it stuck with you. Yeah. Yeah, it did. And so I kind of gave up a bit for a while on Encyclopedia Brown and went to like Peanuts and Family Circus. I went to the, <laughs> the comics that, uh, that deal. But even so, I was like. This is bullcrap. This reminds me of it. It ends up doing that, though. There's a movie you should check out. I know how much you love movies. Uh, yeah, It's so called the, the, the Kid Detective. And basically, the premise is Encyclopedia Brown grew is up. Is that where he grew and still, up? I actually, and still tried to be a kid detective. Yeah, Very I saw, funny. I saw a trailer Adam for Brody. that and laughed. Yeah, yeah, I saw the trailer for that. That's pretty good. So while you're doing that, see, Al Ewing, he's, at least he's not a hack. I'm not a, the biggest fan of Al Young, but mm-hmm. I realize he gets things, and he really gets the Marvel yeah. Universe. He gets. Ruben and I love X Men Red over in uh, the X Men. Yeah, podcast. I always hear it when I'm, I'm editing the thing. Yeah, really. With that and uh, by the way, the Weird Science YouTube channel. So you end up where like he is setting other things up, where Vic Shib, where Valkyrie Jane ends up seeing. 
dick and he's got that crazy death bubble above him. You also end up yeah, where... So what does she see there? Because we know Valkyrie has his ability to see how close people's deaths are. It looks almost like Darkhawk behind him. That's what... It's weird. It, and actually, and I don't know if it's something that you're supposed to recognize right away of, oh my God, it's that. But it definitely isn't the standard, especially if you have read any of the Valkyrie right. books, the recent one with Jane. You, but you why know doesn't Valkyrie looks. say what she sees? I know, it's weird. And even with that, the other play is is that all of a sudden Grim Reaper comes in, oh my god, it's you, the machine. And you have Vic Shade knowing the name of the Grim and, yes. and you end up. Well, that's this a is kind of interesting too. because Vision, Vision's personality is based on like the mind imprint of the Grim Reaper's brother, who was Wonder Man, who was dead at the time, but is not dead now. So does does Grim Reaper think that Vic Shade looks like the Vision? Because he's not does look the Vision. No, he, he looks doesn't like look like it. Har- Har- Whirlwind, not Hurricane, Whirlwind, except looks like Whirlwind with a diamond-shaped hole in his head. But he seems to recognize So does he just hate the diamond him. shape on his head? Maybe. It seems like he is full out. He's recognizing him as Vision. He's saying, machine, machine, getting mad, and you end up having Janet's kind of confused all around. But again, there are hints to something that I don't really know what you're hitting at. So well, yeah, this, it's this is all about part of that overall mystery, I think, about how he came back, the Hank Pym stuff, which I'm curious about. Yeah, that's what I'm curious about as well. I'm not getting enough to make that make me go, oh, I got to no. read the next issue because of that. I'm like, eventually... There's going to be an issue, I think two issues from now, actually, I looked it up in Previews World, two okay. issues from now, we're actually going to get the Hank Pym issue. Okay, so that's why should what I, I read the next issue? Yeah. yeah, and why are we reading the other? I mean, this issue is a weird issue. If you're into the series, maybe you can relax, maybe you're used to Al Ewing, how he does things or whatnot, but at the end, again, because we're kind of done, I mean, at the end, you get a little bit of the Vic Shade slash, you know, whirlwind mystery you get one thing of hank pym but overall we get a valhalla mystery that only really sets up something to happen in the immortal thor but also you can't play along with and at the end you realize it's not a mystery it was something odin did that he didn't want anybody to know so by the end i was like really this is what we're doing this is what this book is about and i kind of got angry not as angry as i'll get in the next book yeah it just feels kind of weightless here yeah it just it's weird. It feels we, like that. What, yeah, what why she, are we was a murder it? mystery, but it turned out just to be a, a nothing burger. Yeah. Okay. But she, but she's wearing a nice pinstripe vest for all you fashion. Heads yeah, out I there. see that. I've, all those fashion people are like, holy moly, what is this? A mini Hellfire Gala going on in here? See, end up even. And, and I will also point out that during this, you mentioned it earlier, you will have a, you know, a bunch of repeat, rinse and repeat dialogue. Hey, you know, we can fight, but we can't kill each other in anger. Then they'll say it again. Then Broomhilda will say it. Then they'll mention Jane's name. and She'll say, don't mention my name. And then we go. And by the end, I'm like, what are we doing? But still, by the end, you get the next mystery. Oddball found dead. And I thought to myself, like, of all the things leading to here, this Valhalla scourge, Oddball. (laughs) It's Oddball, who's a member of a group of juggling-themed villains called the Death Throws. (laughs) <laughs> Which, okay, I kind of like that pun. You got me. I chuckled at that one. Yeah. And they think that Whirlwind, I, I keep wanting to call him Hurricane, Whirlwind, they think that Whirlwind is a member of their group or a reserve member of their group. So maybe we're going to learn a little something more about what the deal is with Whirlwind. Now, yeah. And but here's the not. other play. As far as we know, Whirlwind now as Vic Shade with the hole in his head like the Vic, 
he doesn't know what's going on. It's not like he's there and he's like, oh, I'm going to get right. maybe. He had one a one-panel memory flash where he kind of saw somebody that we know as Hank Pym, but he doesn't know as Hank Pym. So, and we all, when it started, it seemed that Hank set all this up and he got... So we have to figure out that's the big mystery that I am kind of intrigued by, but I need some more each issue to grab me. But by the end, I thought, like, this is a weird book. Like you said, a nothing burger of a book, mostly. It really feels like it'll read better in trade because you won't have to say, okay, I got to wait another month to find out probably nothing. You can just read the whole thing at once. Telling you, you don't have to wait another month to get a juggling themed bad guy group that is going <laughs> to go to Janet and Rose. Yeah, so we'll see how that is. Might be kind of funny. And then in that, you go to the next, what looks like would be the next uh, cover. And hey, you got Moon Knight there out of nowhere, but also you have Janet in like a you know a magician's outfit. So I'm like, all right, you do get now you got me on fashion. the fashion deal. But yeah, you even see Moon Knight so weird. But what would you give this? Well, it, it does say in the uh, the preview that this will be Moon Knight's last guest appearance before, before he dies. His death. Okay. So there you go. Uh, this was a, a pleasant enough issue. Very quick read. Uh, again, I think if I was reading all five or six of these in a row, it would be perfectly fine. The art looks great. I do kind of like that. It it looks different from your typical Marvel book, but nothing too crazy. Just a different kind of take to it. Kind of a almost a, a sepia toned. Little old fashioned book. You know I what like it, it reminds me a lot What's of that? at points, especially with the Valhalla, when you have that big, it reminds me a bit of Brian Hitch's art when you okay. get some of these scenes. I can see of, that. And I yeah. like that art and I like the art here. And you, you said it before you go on with your score. I wasn't angry when I read this. I, I'm more confused about why I am reading it. I mean, we're mm-hmm. reading it to review, but I'm more confused about like what his plan and why the pacing is like that. But overall, you said it's quick. It's it's neat enough. It's kind of a neat book. I'd say. Yeah, it's quick. It's kind of weightless. You spend some time with some interesting characters, and then it's done. And you go, oh well. Every time I I get a new issue of this, I think, oh, what happened to the past three issues? And I don't really remember. And then I look through them and I go, oh yeah, it didn't really matter. But it was a good enough time, so I'm going to give it a six out of ten. It's fine. Yeah, I think that uh, I'll give it a 6 out of 10 as well. It's odd. I'm telling you, and when I'm done, I'm very confused about what's going on, what's coming up, what happened. Like you said, I forget what happened before. But then at the end, I'm like, yeah, I didn't really hate it. I'm not angry when I'm done like some books. Now, I say that as kind of a segue into the next book. And and the thing is, when you get a book like, like this Avengers Inc., you might get angry just because, oh, man, you're you're taking too long. You're doing this, but you have to kind of go with the flow of Al Ewing has a plan. Either I'm down with it or not. If I'm not, get the hell out. But as long as you're reading it, you're like, I trust Al Ewing. You and Ruben, more trust for Al Ewing. But I, I trust the guy. I think the guy is a good writer. So I'm, I'm down with that. Then you get to the next book, which, again, get to the end. This isn't the idea of pacing yeah. or anything. It is a it's dupe of a- actively hostile to the reader. It's it's a tr- it's trying to trick us, and it's saying, "Ha ha, we tricked you. Go read something else because we've cut out the interesting part of this book. There was an interesting scene. We cut it out. You have to buy something else to see the scene that you want to see. There's a, a, a blank page. Go buy another book. And that's that's the worst oh, part of it. You said it. That the worst. You said that the kick butt sentence of that is that this is what we've been reading to get to. It's not like all of a sudden there was something cool like. Some other character comes in like, oh, they're going to talk and we don't get to see that because it's going to be in Uncanny Avenger, right? Cap comes down. 
this is the one thing. Right. The central premise of this series is not in the series. No. And you find out in the penultimate issue, like, go screw yourself. I mean, it's so crazy. But this is Uncanny Spider-Man number four, Slice and Dice. It's written by Cy Spurrier, art by Lee Agarabit, Matt Miller on colors, DC's Joe Caramagna on letters, and Tom Muller and Jay Bowen on design. They are there designing stuff, and if they designed that one page of, they did talk, <laughs> but you're not going to find out anything about it. They they need somebody to come and, I don't know, I don't want to get anything uh, crazy here, but it, it's infuriating. And when you go into this, I was even thrown off throughout because it has become more, well, actually, this issue really, because of what happens in that, hey, go read this other thing. It really doesn't matter much. I mean, you do get some things happen with Kurt. It ends up revealing that, indeed, he is just trying to not think about what's happened with Orcas and the X-Men and all that stuff, which we kind of knew before, but it's actually spelled out with that. But we want to see him talk to his mom. We want to see him talk to Mystique. Exactly. He, he, is, he keeps trying to do it and then can't. And there's some weird conversations in this issue where everyone is speaking like pop psychology, like characters who shouldn't be speaking that way, like Mystique, who's currently out of her own freaking mind, is acting like Dr. Phil, and then and, and Silver Sable, <laughs> who's so far only been interested in sex and money, is suddenly talking just the same way. Clearly, Cy Spurrier has like some subtext. And the way he got the subtext in the book was just have some characters say it out loud. Yeah, it's so funny you said what you said, because my one note is Mystique <laughs> has multiple personalities. Why is one Dr. Phil? Because that's <laughs> what it feels like. And all of a sudden it becomes and it when you have Mystique, it's so off. But even then you start off with like you have Peter and, and Spider-Man and it's just weird. Like some of the things pizza do good. Mob violence bad And he's like going against their chance But it doesn't play out well In my mind Every, every X-Book these days has to have an anti-mutant Protest march Which we've seen in every book And getting kind of tired of it And yeah, there's just kind of a generic scene for that Just to have Mystique show up with a bazooka A bazooka And they yeah. said, oh, she stole it But I, where do you steal a bazooka from? I, I, and I, then, don't and then, I don't know. And then um, uh, Kurt says, oh, she can create cavities in her body to hide things. It's a bazooka. I mean, where? what kind yeah, of a, a prison bazooka. wall does she have that I mean, fits a bazooka? And, and don't Google that because I don't want to no, see that video. I don't either. A bazooka. This isn't like a shiv or a handgun. Or a, oh, my goodness. And so. she's aiming the rocket from bazooka at the protesters. So she's about to commit mass human murder because she doesn't like their signs. And somehow Kurt grabs the rocket out of the air and throws it into the mouth of a sentinel. I don't know how bazookas work. I don't think that's how bazookas work. I also don't know why sentinels have mouths, but that's a whole different story. Yeah, that is weird, too. I mean, you know, they want to be anatomically correct. And even then, like... <laughs> it's like, why do they have that Death Star, you know, vent opening right in yeah, their mouth? Yeah, it's very odd. Reason? Why would they have that? Stay so, on target. While that's going on, and, and really, they're rounding up Pizza Dude, who has the second or third best well, it's, pizza... it's showing in- that that people have been whipped up into a frenzy by Orcas, right? They're so anti-mutant that this one guy showed some sympathy for the mutants, who apparently were really good tippers when he delivered pizza to them. And because because he, he did something nice to the mutants, oh, you must be a mutant, we're going to get you. But it turns out he's not a mutant. No, and, and even then, like, I was, <laughs> we deal, we're dealing with pizza, dude. And then you have a conversation. Hey, that's the second best slice. Maybe the third. Hey, 
hey, get it, everybody? Like, everybody can be different. We all have our slices. <laughs> like, get out of town. Because I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Okay. You have the Banff that's talking to Kurt. You kind of go a little bit more with that of like, hey, my boss this, and you think I'm not real. Well, I am. I'm doing this. But even then, it's still just you're sitting on your duff, and you're not doing anything because you went. And then we get it repeated later. We get it repeated. So we save all these things. And by the end, I'm like, I, I don't know why we had to have this issue to really anger me because me and you have actually been enjoying this more than some people. A lot of people won't go past the idea of, I'm not going to read Nightcrawler as Spider-Man. We were having some fun at the beginning. We thought it was yeah, kind of a cool it's way. It's one of the better Fall of X minis, at least it has been up until now. Yeah, we liked it. And then you get to this, and I'm like, well, did you actually have a story, or was this just all set up for that other one shot? Because that's what it seems like it is now. Because even at the end where we're going to go forward and, and next month when it finishes, or maybe next week, you can never tell with the schedule release of this book. But when we get it, it's just now that you have to get Kurt out of the situation he's in at the end and maybe, you know, saying to Silver Sable, hey, it was nice having some sex with you on the rooftops, but seeing a sign or a sucker, I, I don't know. Because even the stuff with Vulture and things in this just feels really kind of rushed. And maybe it's just because I'm not, reading all the x books but it just feels like not enough is happening suddenly in a book where we wanted that one thing to happen and we're not going to get it but you you give me the rundown because i mean i'm telling you i'm going through and after you end up having mystique and the bazooka then it just kind of feels like we're just going to kind of like the, throw the some stuff thing, at it, it seems like in all the x books or orcas thinks they've won right so they don't really have an enemy right now there's a lot of infighting within Orcus. It's a very decentralized organization. Every group has their own little villain trying to do their own little thing, which I, I can kind of see that sort of makes sense. If they think they've won, now they've got a little bit of hubris going on. Now they're, you know, the organization starts to break down once their big victory has been has been accomplished. So I'm okay with that. But but yeah, it's, it's weird. We don't really know why they hired Tombs. I was hoping to see more of where that comes from. And I guess he hired Silver Sable, but he wants her to go away now, but she won't go away because of her code, her honor, and she only gets paid if her team brings in Kurt, not the hounds who are, like, working directly for her. Yeah, and so when you get that, you even have where the big, you know, conflict for her, she likes Kurt. They end up where, and yeah, again, they have the big a, play of a date, and call me crazy, Jim, but if I were a Spider-Man, any Spider-Man, and I wanted to have a date with my lady friend. The last place I would go is the top of a bridge in New York City. You don't uh, want just, to go to a New York it's bridge. It's bad mojo. Just yeah, it is don't bad do that. mojo. And even with that, I wish that Peter swung by and just saw this and went, really, like, dude? Like, dude like, come on. <laughs> come Too on soon. There. Oh, my God. So that's going on. They're having their date, and the big play has been, hey, are we going to be with helmets on, helmets off, masks on, masks off? The idea that Silver Sable said, listen, I like hanging out with you. We have the you know booty time, but yeah. when it's when it's work hours, I am actively going to and try to get a, you because a of the weird deal. dynamic, but kind of a fun one. Like just to keep it that black and white, yes and no, on duty, off duty, you know, punch in, punch out, so to speak. And but now she, they got, she gets Doctor Phil all up in here too. Again, telling telling Nightcrawler about how oh he needs to you know. I don't know what Kurt needs to do, but oh, you're running away from your problems, yeah, pretending again, to be Spider-Man. Yeah, you're trying to be Spider-Man to get rid of your problems. You have to deal with 
the you know the mutants the mutants have had some issues why don't you deal with them and and kurt starts getting angry hey what do i have to do with that i dealt with them enough oh my goodness and actually says at one point screw you i'm out of here she grabs onto them so they bamf away he's mad about that and just that's when he gets all upset why can't i do my own thing why do i have to deal with that crap and all that which does seem to get him a little more inspired to go talk to his mom in another book. But in the meantime, he's just like, oh, I got to get out of here. And we get back to the whole play of masks, unmasks, all that. So they they seem to set it up that it is going to be, if her helmet's on, she's on duty. Her helmet's off, she's off duty. But then she gets blackmailed, which I'm surprised she lets this happen. She gets blackmailed by the one character, uh, Kramer, we saw at the end of the first issue, really the only member of her team who has like an actual characterization, a name and a face. And he's upset because he thinks that she's going to call off this whole get Kurt thing, and he wants the money. But I can't believe that Silver Sable would let him do this to her. Is this supposed to be the idea that she's confined? I don't I think he's mad because he has a Santa coat on, and then he he gets there, and and the (laughs) idea where she says, you're just mad because you lost your money betting uh, the bar with no name, and he's like, yeah, you're right, but it just it's out of nowhere. I mean, it's not it because and it's I, the one character, but you still, it's out of nowhere. You pull a gun on Silver Sable, you're you're dead meat. He, he says the thing about, oh, I've told everybody else about it too, but I just don't buy that. Right. And what does he think? He thinks that they're going to go back and just continue working together now after you've pulled a gun on your boss? And and that's that's the thing. She even says to him, I could destroy you three ways from Sunday. Right now, it'll take me two seconds. And that's when he says, well, you think I didn't plan for that? I, I have... Like that classic like movie type deal, but with Silver Sable, I don't think she would give a crap. I really don't. And the idea where this is the blackmail just to be the blackmail, and I just thought it was kind of ridiculous because then we go and I the one thing that I like is I like that Kurt is going around and he's asking the people in the park. That makes sense. I mean that was set up. Yeah. It's the so only we got thing. The, the interspersed panels where while the Silver Sable blackmail thing's going on. Kurt's going off and looking for his mom. So it's little, you know, some panels here, some panels there. And again, if you, if you just had tuned in the big play Mystique, after all that went down, she's lost her mind and she keeps yelling, they have my baby, they have my baby. At one point, Kurt almost told her a little earlier, like, no, 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 you're not thinking right, whatever. But then he ends up not to, here he comes to her and says Mystique. We've and we're been like, oh, right. For four issues, why does he not unmask? Why does he not tell Mystique who he is? And here, he finally says, we need to talk, takes off his mask. And, oh, exciting. You turn the page, and it, it's just a black page, white letters that says, and they do, with a footnote saying, go buy another book. That page is the biggest screw you I've ever seen in a comic book. Like, oh, my God. Just so blatant. I mean, I, I know comic books want us to go read other comics. I get that. I understand how the medium works. But this is just a full page. We cut out a scene. The scene happens right here. It's happening right now. We're just not going to show you until you give us more money. It's like like a, a, a one of those video games where you have to pay to open up a chest or something. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, drink more Ovaltine. Th- this whole deal. And what drives me nuts is, do you agree with me that we need to talk, mask, perfect cliffhanger, and it would feel actually a little better to me that you then go and read. And then at the end of the one shot, it ends up saying, Showing Kurt kind of getting captured. I understand that they want to get Kurt captured by the end of this, but really why and how? And it's just ridiculous that 
and they do. Hey, we need to talk, and they do. Basically, like you said, a deleted scene, but shouldn't be. And now we have to go off and buy another book. Like, that is awful. That is awful. Usually when you have these kind of things, you'll play the idea that if you want a little more, you'd go and get the one shot, but you still should get enough in the book that we've been buying four issues and reviewing. We should get enough here to go for it. But they just basically say everything about it is in that one shot, and that's bullcrap. That is complete bullcrap, and I'm sure our scores are both going to be affected by it. Because then really quickly then, after that, Silver Sable does end up, and she goes against the deal. She's sitting there with the helmet on. She takes the helmet off but still holding it, and ends up having Kurt come and yeah, that's actually a, a nice kind of a subtle move. There's no dialogue in that scene, well, not, not that panel, but she takes the helmet off, which should be the signal I'm off duty. She's breaking kind of the rules that she set up with Kurt because she's under this pressure, and that's when Kurt shows up and gets taken down by the rest of her team. And the worst part of that is, is that if he would have shown up and she just kept that mask on. He would have known right away. Obviously, he would have probably bamped out and got away. But at least she, she broke their personal deal. And that's, right. And I kind of like really the way bad. that's shown, that she feels bad about it. She does feel really but bad about it. But she doesn't. But that's where I go back to what you said earlier. Why is she doing it? She's Silver Sable. It doesn't seem like something like maybe you could have figured out a different way to kind of blackmail her than just, the guy hey, does I'm going to mention that, oh, you know, you know, you're going to do it because this is the way we make money to keep our country, you know, the poor people in our country fed. Yep. And she has even said that from the beginning. And That's her motivation. So you right. have that. Yeah. So he gets captured. He ends up, they grab Kurt. Then you go through I would, that. I would actually like this twist better. If it happened just the same way, except there was no gun involved. If he just said, you know you have to do it, it's your duty, you always live up to your duty, you're all about your people, you're going to betray your semi-boyfriend for your people. And that would be so much better than, I point the gun at my boss and, and you I know think what's we're better than go that forward. Because that really does, really, because with the gun pulled, I kind of went with more, yeah, he mentioned the stuff, but th- there's a gun. and. So when, if you would fully, where, what are you doing, Silver Sable, this is for our people, that kind of twists into very much with Kurt and ignoring the mutant thing. And that's, you know, it really would work out a lot better if it was really that and only that. The idea of, hey, Kurt, I really like you. Jim, you've got This is for my people. Kurt doing something where he's kind of avoiding dealing with his people, but then went to his mom. There's some cool things there. But even so, he gets captured. And then they're there and they're like, oh, we got to see if he's actually mystique. Is this actually like they're going through these testing and it seems like they say, yeah, it is. Kurt will go forward and then boom, it ends. And I'm like, why? Like the only thing we really wanted was to see that talk, see what mystique did. But we have to get a one shot for that, which even if you went through this whole series and ended it with that, I mean, it probably it probably would drive us nuts at the end of issue five of. Hey, we got to talk and then it ends and then we got to go. But, but at least it would have, I don't know, it would have felt more natural than in the pad, like last four pages of, hey, and they did. It just seemed like it was like they're laughing at us. But what would you give this? So there's some good things in this issue. The art always looks great. I kind of like the Silver Sable relationship thing with that, that one edit that I would put in. Uh, but it's just completely, all the good stuff is just wiped away by that one page. And there's no other score I could possibly give this. This book was, the, the score I'm going to give was created for this book. And of course, 
That score is the famous weird science FU5. FU5. That's what I am. It's just, it's no other there option. to, it's there to kick in the balls to give you a, you know, set you up to want something and then pull it away by the end. So FU5 for me as well. It's a shame. We still have one more issue left, I guess. I mean, it is a five issue miniseries, right? Am I mistaken or is You're it correct. end at the deal? So we'll still do it. But it, all, at this all point, the, if- all the Fall of X stuff ends in December. And then we get those new Fothox, Rotpox, and the death of the resurrection of Magneto and some other tie in things. That all starts up in January. Which is a good way to segue into saying everybody should check out Jason and Ruben talking on the Weird yeah, Dose of do. X podcast on this feed. So check that out. And again, we'll be we'll be reviewing issue five. It feels like we're gonna just be pissed when we get to that. Like it's like we just got beat up. Now we have to go and hang out with the people who beat us up, but we'll we'll see how <laughs> it is. But we will do that. Oh, middle school. Ah, uh, yes. Thank you for joining me once <laughs> you, again, Jim. Jason. And like I said. Please check out Jason M. Rubin on the Weird Dose of X, which comes out every Tuesday night on the feed. So do that. But next, we're going to actually finish up. I'm going to be talking with Gray about one last book. And to finish things up, I have my man, Gray. What up, Gray? What up, Jim? What up? And I'm telling you, I, I thought that maybe we'd have some fun with this last book when it was announced. I don't really know DG Chichester at all. There is mention of his run. The thing that worried me from the get-go, even before looking up things, is that this book, which is Daredevil Black Armor, number one, all they kept mentioning was the Black Armor. Uh, Any sort of news, any sort of thing leading into this just kept mentioning the armor. And it started to worry me in the idea of, like, really? Like, you're really just pushing the idea of, hey, this is a cool costume, but yet the writer doesn't do that. It, it made me worried. And so when we jump into this, me and you both are not really familiar with DG Chichester's run of Daredevil. No. It came out after the Senti stuff, which I hear a lot. And you actually were reading back in the day. So even when we went into this, you looked it up and Chichester's run not really well received it's not something that people seem to love a lot no it's not so it makes you kind of scratch your head well why are we doing this and even when you get into this the first thing that you do kind of deal with is this armor but not enough and I think that this book is a weird play of it's a back in the day kind of deal you're kind of going back to Chichester's run And if you're not aware of what the lay of the land was and all that, I think that you're going to be as confused as me and Gray are as we try to get through this. It took me a while to actually read this. I'll spoil my whole play as I didn't really like it, but it was more of the idea where I think I might be missing things, not just the idea of, oh, my God, it was terrible. I just felt like I wasn't connected. Yeah, I feel like you missed Missed something huge or missed um, a previous issue to this or something? Does this continue on straight off, you know, from his actual run? It yeah, must, it seems like it does. Yeah, it seems like it's one of those. Too. Yeah, and it's like a uh, what they were doing with Peter David's stuff. I mean, you, yeah. before we started, we were talking about it, and unfortunately, Peter David has had medical problems. So is this kind of like, hey, we need some more of that back in the day stuff? Bit of 90s nostalgia. Yeah, and Peter David's stuff was fun, was really it was, good. It was really good. This this isn't quite that, but it is Daredevil Black Armor 
written by number one, written by D.G. Chichester, pencils by Nitho Diaz, inks by J.P. Mayer, colors by Andrew Dollhouse and V.C.'s Clayton Coles on letters. And you do again, you start out with the armor, but you kind of don't really get any footing of what any of this means. You don't really know until as you go forward. And I can't even really put a pin on much of anything of what's happening with Matt, except the idea that he is, you know, kind of playing this role, this idea, Jack, this guy who's a grifter and he's there and he's, and the things, the little things that I did read and look up at one point in this Chichester run, Matt, thought that he was his father he ended up with all that stuff so as you go on you're just wondering like what the heck's going and happening and you have a spread page that shows a bunch of characters but nothing really to ease you in if you don't know about this if you're just new readers for this like me and gray you're gonna feel off by the end of the issue i thought to myself well Maybe we'll check out the next issue. Maybe it'll start making sense. Things will click and a light bulb will go off. I'm not so sure. But we kind of get through this that Matt is Daredevil's looked at to be dead. This black armored Daredevil, they think he's a replacement. Thinks that he's a replacement. So as you go on, and we're going to be very basic with the overall story again, because I don't really get what might be. The kind of, you know, connective tissue because not reading the original run. Jim, on the spread page, just to point one thing, it, it kind of freaked me out. Um, what's happened to Electra? Why has she got no hair? Yeah, Why she's she there. Bald? She has that crazy look there. I'm not sure. Yeah, Again, that was strange. So we've missed so much, haven't we? Yeah. Some people, you know, listening, maybe they're Chichester fans or they're more aware. Please don't get mad at us, you know, because we're beautiful, I'd like to say. But don't get mad at us <laughs> We're just jumping into this. This came out. I did a little bit of a background deal, but I'm trying to play it off or not even play it off. I'm going into this like some people would if they're just, you know, perusing the shelves at the comic. Oh, my God. that Because it does look cool. It does look cool. If you pick this up, Jim, randomly, like you said, you just went to a comic shop, picked it up, great bit of dead of action. I think anyone would feel lost unless, you know, you've read his run and you remember it really well. Yeah, yeah, and fully. And even like the idea, like if you look at the Mark Bagley and Edgar Delgado cover, it even has like a a little bit of a John Romita Jr. look. Like everything almost plays off as a, well, a classic kind of story from back in the day. So you might sit there and, oh man, that armor looks cool. What's this all about? And you go in, the problem is, again, you don't really let the reader know that. But the basic story is Matt, he's doing his thing. He's kind of playing undercover grifter type deal, living downtown in this place. You got a couple people that he's friends with. Doesn't look like he's really connected to his old friends and family. But as he goes, he ends up as Daredevil. He ends up stopping what appears to be like a, you know, a kidnapping or a human trafficking type deal. You have some people that are rounding up some, you know, people in the streets. And, of course, it's these people who are lower class. They might be homeless. Whatever, they're rounding them up because nobody would care about them. And he jumps in to care about them. Then, all of a sudden, Sabretooth shows up and things get wacky again. Comes out but, of nowhere, doesn't he? Yeah, and it, it, it's cool. I never thought that yeah, reading this, good. I get Sabretooth, and it looks no. really neat. You get Matt doing his thing. Okay, and and a lot of people even recognizing, oh, my God, it's this new 
Daredevil, oh my god, what's going on? He even seems like he might be a little more violent, a little more. It's it's hard to tell. Mm. But Sabretooth ends up skedaddling because he has an earpiece that says, okay, get out of there. Matt hears this, but in the meantime, he wants to try to figure out what the big giant plan is. And you do see at a point, once you get to the end, the reveal at the end is uh, Baron Strucker and Hydra are involved in all this. You do see hints of that going. But again, by the end, I think that there was just too much going on and not enough, not recap, but ease people in. Yeah, that's it. Ease people in. Yeah. So as you go through this, Matt is thinking, you know, about his deal in his life and being a lawyer. So he's kind of playing, you know, I don't know, side alley lawyering. He's still going around and helping people who might need some legal help. It's okay. Did you get the impression, Jim, that he's like, he's taking on like so many different roles? I wasn't sure. Is he, is he a lawyer or not? Maybe he is. Maybe isn't. Is he just remembering it in the past or? Yeah, it seems like he's like kind of like doing what he has to do. He's, he's being daredevil. You even have at a point where there's this neighbor, she's doing the tarot cards, things like that. Yeah. And yeah. she's kind of, Hey, I know what you're kind of up to. She seems to, you know, a bit more, but. Yeah, he's just going and instead of being this high price lawyer or whatever, he's just going and giving people legal advice as he goes. And there's a nice scene at one point where he's talking to a guy who actually wants to be a lawyer, a big dude. And he says, my dad ended up like he kind of got arrested for robbery and the public defender really tried his hardest and got my dad off. And it inspired me. I want to be a lawyer, but nobody looks at me or takes me seriously. He mentions ADHD, but... It's a nice enough scene, but in this, I feel like all the scenes end up just kind of being mashed together. Like you said, you even get the idea of, like, is he playing too many roles? Is he going? And it might just be that it's mashed together because even at one point, talks to somebody and, hey, tell your lawyer, lawyer, tell your landlord this. He can't evict you there. And then the landlord comes and is like, what are you doing giving advice? And Matt starts beating up people. It's just there's too much thrown at you. Don't mess with the law, Jim. That's what he's saying, isn't it? <laughs> and in my mind here, like the idea that he's doing street lawyering, that's easy to comprehend because it's Matt. But yeah. it seems like he's uh, Chichester's concerned with showing you like that instead of telling us more of what's happened with Matt, what's happened with Kingpin at this point. And the Kingpin's a big play in his run, so. I get that Matt would do this sort of thing. You don't really have to focus that much on it. In the meantime, a bunch of people are missing. He's putting up, you know, missing signs. He's doing this whole street legal, free legal advice, Jack B. Like he's really setting this whole thing up. But again, it's a little too much. Then he goes and has a dinner with the tarot card reading gal. In Why the meantime, he, even, he mentioned earlier about, hey, I should kind of connect with some people around me. He starts thinking of electric, Karen, Foggy, those sort of things as well. But he's having this whole play. She's asking him why he's – everybody seems concerned. Why are you doing this missing stuff? Why are you doing this legal work? And he's like, well, people need it. Again, nothing that we wouldn't have figured out, but it's okay. There's nothing that's going to wow Anybody in the writing, I think, here. Maybe people would enjoy the art. Even then, I think you should 
just should have had like a bunch of spread pages with the black armor because that's really what you're playing. That's so- what you're here for, aren't you? Jim, I've got, I've got to say, I did enjoy a little bit of the uh, the tarot card storyline because we do get a bit more of that than any of the other storylines, don't we? So I was quite into that. And it sounds like Chichester, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, and, and you have this girl and it seems like there's a little romance going yeah. on. Yeah, so you worry because that'll probably lead to this girl having problems again. I don't know. If there's something from the past deal that might point to something else, but you end up where that's going on. And then in the meantime, Kingpin's getting a new car. He's going to up the ante. He's back. And Matt shows up at this kind of chop shop type of deal. And again, this scene, it's a weird play. Like you said, the tarot card scene, it's well written enough. But it's just kind of there. Then you shift over to now we have Kingpin and you end up where, yeah. And it just feels like, again, these are just random scenes that were written separate and kind of thrown together. It didn't really have a flow. No, whole, it didn't. The whole issue, it just seemed like disjointed. But the end up where Kingpin gets this car, Matt, as Daredevil in the black armor, which you have Kingpin think this is the new Daredevil, even says the old guy, me and the old Daredevil, we had a bit of a back and forth, but we respected this and that and the other thing. but. The big thing here is who is kidnapping people? Why are they human? Tra- and it doesn't seem like it is a kingpin thing, but he knows some stuff about it. I just feel bad for these people. It's weird, too, because he has this car and this guy's there. Hey, I got you this car. You're going to drive around like the kingpin again. Daredevil shows up and he's like, hey, I don't like you in this car. It's weird. The guy starts yelling that it's, hey, we didn't steal it. I have paperwork. Yeah, like, it's okay. official. Yeah, he's like, it's official. And then Matt just destroys it by dropping an engine block on it that just completely destroys the car. And then you get on the side, these guys. One guy says, sucks to be you, fats. That, he shouldn't have said that, should he, Jamie? He was like a red rag to a bull. Exactly. So when this ends, this made me laugh. Matt legitimately, if we can go with the play that this guy actually did legally buy this car for Kingpin, Matt's destroyed their property, right? Then he leaves and you really see Kingpin kills probably everybody in there while Matt just zips away. He he actually set up the murder of a bunch he of did. people as he they leaves. They don't show it, like, do they? You just get like blood splattering on the auto and that's part a side. Lot of blood that's splattering a lot of blood. on the on the deal. I'm like, holy <laughs> moly! And he says, "I want respect." I mean, you can't sit there as Matt leaves. I'm sure, and even then, Matt says, "Listen, you want to be a real New Yorker? Why don't you get around like it? Go to the subway." So even the one guy says, "Want to borrow my Metro card for the subway?" <laughs> <laughs> They're all dead. This one guy, the poor guy, it seems like he's just like, okay, uh, Kingpin wants me to buy him a car. I'm going to, hey, here you go. I There's got the nobody paperwork. taking the subway tonight, man. No, no, they're all dead, taking the, the subway to hell. Oh, See, no. you end up at the end, I'm like, you you just legitimately set up the murder of a bunch of people. And yeah. he goes off, and you do get, you know, kind of that over the old narration in the head of Matt. It, it's very, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's it's that. Batman, it's that whole play of, you know, this is my city and I'm going to do this. It's a little over the top. But then at the end, then if all this is crazy, then at the end you see that who appears to be involved with all this and this whole kidnapping thing is Hydra. Baron Strucker, I'm like, 
all right, this is wacky. Okay. And he's underground as well, isn't he, Jim? He's yeah. Underground the yeah whole time. And I'm like, all right, I didn't really get eased into anything here. Nope. I don't really know what's going on. But then you see, and I think what we're going to do, is it a greatest hits? I don't know if you could call it that. But in the next issue, I'm like, all right, there's Hobgoblin. Hobgoblin on the cover. Yeah, Sabretooth back. You know what I mean? I'm like, maybe this is going to be that wacky book that has a bunch of guest stars like that. But the problem is, that sounds like fun. This wasn't really that much fun. It made me laugh when guys got killed just because Matt wanted to prove a point of some sort and drop an engine block on a legal car. I, it just was weird. But the art's pretty good. But what would you give this? It's a weird book, right? It is a weird book. Like you say, it, it lacks the fun, unfortunately. It's not terrible, but it was just kind of like, okay. Although my favorite line has to be that guy saying, sucks to be you to King, <laughs> King Fear. Like, what are you, you, know, what are yeah, you doing? Why would you say that? There's uh, no reason. Uh, it's tough to score, though. What would be your score? It is tough to score. I'm going to go, I'm going to be a little bit generous. I'm going to give it a 6.5 yeah, out of 10. I'm a 6. I'm a just okay. a 6. And that's usually my score for a new number one. That looks good, but I'm kind of like confused. the art, Jim. Do you? That's what gave it a little bit extra point for that. And it actually has a pencil and an inker for a change. That's pretty yeah, it's rare. Crazy, right? I mean, it, yeah. it looks. I actually think that someone like Sully probably enjoy the art here. I don't oh, know yeah. if like the story, but probably enjoy the art. And there's going to be some people who are like, oh my god, Chichester. At least remember the run. Maybe oh, yeah. not be a huge fan, but even if I remembered the stuff. I think we would have gotten a little more out of it. But coming in cold like this, it, it was tough. It wasn't anything of hold your hand or ease you into. Too much going on. Yeah, too brief scenes. You don't know what was happening back in the day. Some of the things are alluded to, but not really enough for me. So we'll continue with it. Maybe next issue, as this goes, we'll get kind of more an idea. Okay, now we could just do it. Because a lot of times with these sort of things, that first issue gets you into the frame of mind of what was happening at the time. But the actual story could just be a good story in and of itself. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. but hopefully this will be it with the whole Hydra yeah, hobgoblin out of nowhere. I mean, I hope it ends up being fun, but I'm a six. You're a six five. But that is it for the show. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining me, including my man here, Greg. And here is what and I asked you to stay. I usually do this afterwards, and I hate it because I always forget to do the ending. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to do this. So you're going to join me for this quick ending because we have a bunch of books next week. Here cool. is what we're going to be talking about. Predator versus Wolverine, number three of four. Me and you did the last one, and we liked it because that it was, was more like yeah. a Predator book. So I'm actually looking forward to that now. We have Captain America, number three, that me and Matt have been going through. It hasn't hooked me yet. It's one of those books that it, it just hasn't grabbed me. We'll see. I think that they have to kind of get done with that back in the day, younger Steve, you know, waltzing into a big giant Nazi rally. Like that stuff, you kind of like, eh, we could get past that. We kind of know that stuff. We start gang war with Amazing Spider-Man gang war, first strike number one. Also Luke Cage gang war, number one of four. And then a couple of other new number one, Spider-Woman number one, eh, and then Howard the Duck. Number one, that's a one-shot. Chip Zdarsky's involved, and me and you will probably be doing that. That'll be kind of fun. So we have a couple of books that are fun. We have some gang wars starting up. We'll see how it is. We'll see how it goes. Uh, But that's that. So thanks for joining me, as always, Gray. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you all 
later. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody. Jim back again because I'm going to throw in the Carnage number one review from last week. Now, the reason I'm doing that is because Marvel had a snafu and they released the review copy a week early. We ended up reviewing it last week without even knowing, and it was on the podcast. And I wanted to make sure that if, say, people didn't listen to it last week, weren't aware that we ended up having it on, that they'd get to hear about a kind of big number one, Carnage number one by Torn Grombach. It's me and Gray talking about it. So we can consider this a little OT, a little bit of bonus coverage. So I hope that you enjoy that. And then when it's over, It'll just cut out and the podcast will be over in general. So thanks, everybody, once again. I hope that you enjoyed everything that we talked about this week, including, again, a repeat of Carnage number one right about now. And the new number one is Carnage number one, written by Torin Gronbeck, Perry Perez on art, colors by Eric Garcinega, and VCs Joe Sabino on letters. Because it's a number one, I will give you the little blurb. On the credits page, very quick, Carnage has fought his way across the multiverse as a symbiote without a host. He managed to rid himself of almost all the classic symbiote weaknesses and attain godlike power. Can it possibly be enough, or is it something someone still missing to truly make him whole? If you ask any fans, that someone is Cletus Cassidy, and we're going to get Cletus Cassidy back in this issue. And Torrin Grumbeck kind of came on the scene, in my mind, Recollecting the deal Kind of got involved with Jason Aaron Ended up filling in for some of the Thor books Kind of a cool play that Torin means Thor And so she ended up doing that I'm not a real big fan I think that she's decent enough But nothing has really excited me Recently it seems that she's taken over That side deal with Al Ewing Her and Al Ewing going through the Venom books So having her on Carnage Is kind of a weird play of like She is following a bit in the Ram V footsteps that was all that stuff before this probably at one point would have been something Ram V would have continued on with, but it's now exclusive at DC. So have you read any Torin Grumbach? No, I was going to ask you like whether, well, you know, is she any good? I knew she'd done Thor and done She's a bit okay. of uh, Venom. Yeah. Yeah. And, and does like the realm of X, I believe of the X-Men stuff, but I'm okay. not reading the X-Men. I, I think that she is capable you know, you get issues, but nothing ever really excites me that I've read. And that's kind of what I think of this. You end up having a carnage number one. I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, actually, because of all the things they've done, even with the Venom stuff, even with the carnage stuff. And the idea that I think most people want a classic carnage back. It seems like we might be getting towards that. I don't know if it's exactly here but it plays off here as like a horror comic, but yet I never really got scared. Now, I get scared about everything. I'm not saying that I have to poop my pants here or anything, but, you know, it never really felt like, all right, this is crazy. Oh, my God, this is really horrific. It really plays off where it's overly narrated in my mind, which actually kind of pulls me out a bit. I can't really get into the tension and what's going on when it is so narrated. And usually when you have, a symbiote book, you will have that back and forth with the character, the host, the other, all that. You don't even really get that. It's mostly just this narration that tries to be a bit fancy at points, 
But then really just, like I said, it pulls me out a bit because we start off where, oh, my God, Carnage is pretty much a god but isn't satisfied with that. Go, You go to Omnipotent City and Carnage is looking for answers to from the god librarian, the all-knowing god librarian. And this scene, again, it, it's kind of a cool play, but it just kind of happens. And you end up where Carnage wants to know you know, what am I? What do I need to do? What's going on? And the librarian actually even starts, you know, what's your purpose? If you're a god, you have to be worshipped by people. You have to have a purpose. That kind of sets up later where me and you say that you got kind of a biblical type story going on, but we couldn't quite grab onto it. That's right. Yeah. I couldn't grab onto this at all, Jim. I must admit, I was, I was quite excited by this opening, this library. It was pretty cool. And then it doesn't seem to really go anywhere, does it? There's not yeah, much set up here. Yeah, that's the problem. And so the big play, it's, it really feels like you have Carnage the God who who wept because there was nobody left to carnage up. Like he needs to set up like, if I'm a God, I have to really be a God. So what do I need? Well, the one thing that I seem to be missing is Cletus. Is Cletus Cassidy to give me some purpose, to give me some footing to get towards the end goal of being a God who's worth. It's very odd, but you end up having this librarian well, again, you have some cool things going on, like these centurions, they're fighting off. But again, does it not look at the point where it looks like Jesus getting stabbed by the Romans with spears? I mean, you end up having these biblical references that I think are they're a little too subtle, but they also just don't really play out in my mind. But you end up having that where you know, Carnage gets sent away through a black hole from the staff of the librarian, and he seemingly ends up. Well, he does in Riker's prison, back to where it all began, and he eats a prisoner. Looks like he just bites his head off, right? Half of his head. Uh, that's kind of horrific, I guess. And then throws up Cletus Cassidy because he needs this biomaterial to remake Cletus that's in the codex. Boom. And then away we go with Cletus as, you know, carnage. But you never really get that full carnage feel. It's more Cletus here. And pretty much he just goes around killing people in a weird biblical manner at points, but not quite. Like you said, you we were talking about this and going through like, okay, at one point he is actually targeting and killing people that are the disciples. You end up having names, John, Matthew, but then that changes. Then yeah. he's in a diner where he's talking to this girl. And even the case where, hey, what's your name? Sarah. I'm like, Let's go full out. If you're going to like maybe marry, maybe yeah. have some sort of bit. But this girl is listening to some true crime. But this even this scene feels like it's separate, even though there's Cletus. He's going through the Bible. He's making his carnage marks in there and things like that. Talking to this girl a tiny bit about the Bible brings up some stuff. Uh, the true crime. She's like things get a little mixed up the only thing that i can say that i was excited about in this issue though is we do get flash thompson who i love i wish we had i wish this was a flash thompson book i wish that we actually brought him back anti-venom all that but instead he's just in the side deal where he senses that something has returned something has gone wrong and he is going to be the person who seemingly is chasing down you know cletus and carnage and you get his sad sack life i felt bad for him 
where he, even then he's, you know, there he is, security. He shows up for work. I love Flash. He's like, hey, boss, sorry I'm late. He's like, I didn't notice, you jerk. And I'm like, what a sad sack Flash is. They don't even know if he's showing up for work on time. And then he goes and drinks and gets in a barroom fight. There's not really much of him. He was getting some grief, wasn't he, Jim, from that boss as well? Like She wasn't yeah. happy. I, I, I didn't like the way she was treating him. i got to say that. I get that because he's there. He's drinking. He's having a conversation. And then these guys start fighting. And the one guy calls her a name and Flash freaks out and nails him against the wall and then she's yelling he's gonna sue you get the hell out stop it flash yeah she's angry at him yeah i was like get out of there flash you don't need this crap but through this you end up again cletus is going around and it's played off as that hey creepy cletus back in town he's going to kill people but we don't know them at at a point like you said it just feels like a name hey there's john yeah we don't know them we don't know why yeah, where's, where's Ringo? Ringo and George? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that, that's what we need. So then my score would have went up. But the idea of the, yeah, really, I should have hit that. You end up where this then leads to where Cletus then goes to this kid who ended up killing a bunch of people because he needed his life to mean something. And he ends up killing him. But that kid doesn't quite have the biblical name type deal that we were setting up, Philip, but he ends up. Hello, Philip. And I'm like, okay, he takes him down. He actually says, you know, hold my hand here. We'll pray. Are you a God fearing guy? Have you found the Lord? Yeah, I'm getting there. All right, well, let's pray. And as you're doing it, you see, you know, the, the symbiote come from his back and he ends up killing him. But as he's being killed, he is marking the deal down he's like hey this guy's number 11 you went you know down the line here and yeah. even then like you're getting the 12 disciples but it's kind of veered off like a, a path here but you end up where the big play then at the end is to go after what appears to be like an elon musk you even said i said it's milan usk is what we have going on here nathaniel jones which is weird because was an amalgam character back in the day in the Magneto and the Metal Men book, but I don't think that's a connection, though it'd be crazy if this was like the redo introduction of the Amalgam universe. I'd be all into that. But this guy, again, you, you don't really know these characters. You don't really know or know why you should care. You're just actually just watching Cletus just walk around randomly and say, hey, I'm going to kill this guy. You even have that background. The first guy he kills is, besides that prisoner, is this play of Oh, this guy was in the war. All of his friends are dead. He's too much of a chicken to kill himself. I'm like, okay, just let's go. And so then Cletus, this is the best though. Cletus goes and now all of a sudden, instead of just killing people, he needs to make a spectacle of this Nathaniel who's a billionaire. He's the tech guy. You don't really know this until, you know, you kind of figure it out through how people react. Yeah, that's right this as you're being told and he's put in a david blaine like chamber you know outside of probably his big you know place where they sell all the phones and all these things he's known for you see a big 5g behind there but even then you have all this weird cartridge writing on this clear container where like i said it looks like you're going to be mind free. Chris Angel's going to show up. He's going to be doing card tricks. And then you have David Blaine who's going to sleep on ice for three years. So you end up where this guy's like, please help me, help me. They're going by now. You end up seeing this guy who you recognize as the Elon Musk guy here. And you're like, oh, 
look at that. What kind of stunts this? The guy is bare chested. He has a 12 carved into his chest. And he's got a bunch of crazy writing in this clear deal. You should know something's wrong. Like this seems like a very weird publicity stunt or something they just for start promotion. Filming you, don't they, with the phones, and then and then finally, oh, maybe we should help him. <laughs> I love where they're doing? like, oh my god, we should help him, as everybody is liking. Yeah, yeah, getting all these hearts on this scene. I know you're gonna play with, and somebody would say, well, Carnage is a god, but what kind? Because when did he set this up? Like, the idea that they are in, like, downtown New York City, looks like in Manhattan, and he has set up a clear container with one of the richest, most, you know, seemingly known men in the world inside with a bunch of scribbling and a big tarp over it. When did he do this? When did Carnage Cletus go and say, okay, well, I'm going to set up this container first. Now I'm going to transfer this guy there. It's so weird that you just have it there. And then they're like, oh, man, it's great. And then. He's boiling to death and drowns, and he's dead. And everybody's it's weird, like, isn't it, Jim? You're saying here, they, the people watching, they don't understand that they're watching worship. But how how is this like related to worshiping Carnage? Is it because he's causing he's causing Carnage? So that means you know they're watching it. And they're, they're worshiping giving, just they're, the Carnage. Yeah. And I think that's where you get where people are liking it. You know, they're they're Dale, and is he now? Now here again, we're we're playing. At one point, you do have some social media part you have a a page of that then you're being told about the podcast the true crime is this like the play in that weird way in the background of that's how he realized because even then when cletus comes back he ends up saying "Ooh, he has to catch up with the tech like he's really seems interested like this is where it's going to end up is how you can get worship is because people are pieces of crap and they tend to veer towards Really bad things like the girl listening true crime. You are listening to murders and yeah, tales of death and mayhem. I think that Torin Grumbach and I didn't even think this before. You kind of hit that deal. The, the light bulb went off. That it is that play of ooh, this is the time for me now. Everybody's hateful. Everybody loves just misery. And if you end up killing somebody online, streaming it, they don't even care. They're liking it. And that'll be how he's worshipped, and that's what we get to. Don't know that I need that no. from a carnage deal. Cancel culture gone like to the nth degree or something, isn't it? It's like you carnage know, coming death, carnage culture. Can yeah. we call that car? I even said to you as a joke that you could end up using the carnage symbol as an at in like an on. I think that might have. <laughs> I'm telling you, carnage culture. It's weird though because you end up starting this, and it's it's a little too subtle. But then it's too over the top with the narration. You you don't really feel like you're being let to get involved with the story. You're being told stuff. And so by the end, the art's okay. Flash at the end, when he hears this and sees what's going on with this Nathaniel Jones, he ends up anti-venoming up and starts trying to get there. And that's where you do see is where the one girl, like Flash looks at his phone and he sees this Nathaniel, you know, Burning up slash we didn't know if it was acid boiling water, but they say he's boiling very odd. We thought it was acid. But as you see, there's tons of parts. Everybody's liking it as this guy. And again, you're going to play the idea. I don't like him again. Elon Musk, a very divisive guy. So what the play there is. But in that, I just want more flash like flash is running to try to stop this. He's not going to be able to. The guy's dead. But that's the interesting point that at least I get some flash. 
Let's see what's going on. But the idea of having a carnage slash Cletus Cassidy who wants people to worship him in an online way, not that interested. I'm really not that interested. But we'll we'll continue. It may be that. It may be something different. It may swerve. But it didn't have a spark this first issue. It didn't really get me going like, oh, my God, because I'm not. Uh, I should have said at the beginning, I think you and me both, we haven't read a lot of Carnage stuff. No, we haven't. I'm not a huge Carnage fan. So I wonder if Carnage fans like this because at least Cletus, hey, he's back. Or if this is one of those that, you know, might be a little off for them because I just didn't feel that excited or, you know, really like, oh, my God, I got to keep reading this. I will. But it's not like I'm going to rush out. No, I got to put this on my pull list. This will be the first book I read. It's not quite like that. But what would you give it? I'm the same as you, Jim. And it was uh, 33 pages and it, it felt it. You know, I was one of those where I was looking at the page count. That's the you? problem with narration like that. If you have narration yeah. in every panel, it starts to become a slog because you're being told things, not able to kind of you know, get into it fully. But uh, yeah, that, that is a problem. It lacked the spark. It lacked the excitement. It lacked even, you know, as you say, the the, the horror, the the scary moments. There's, no, there's not really much in it. So I'm sorry, I'm going to give this a very average five out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to be a little more positive because I did like the art. I, I'm probably being way too positive for what I think. But again, I'm running scared. So I'm, I'm going to give it a six. I'm just going to give it a six because it's a number one. As we talked about it, there's some intriguing things maybe. But that's the problem. I don't yeah. know if they're actually really there. I mean, are we making up things to try to be excited about it? Or are the things really there? I don't know. We'll have to see. But I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm just giving it you know, a straight, like just an average, an average yeah, I'm like 50-50. I'm with that's you. It's all. just one of those where you could go up or down either way yeah. as it continues. Hopefully it, hopefully it does get better. Hopefully there's more flesh. Hopefully there's more you know, explain in this, but as a number one, I think that it might have wanted to come out of the gates a little stronger. Definitely. But there you go. But that is it. And uh, thanks for joining me once again, Gray. 